Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Corey. Uh, we got a full house tonight, boys. Uh, joining us, we got Kendall. Hello. We got Corey. Hello. Uh, Corey is our, I guess I should introduce him, huh? I didn't think he's about that. He's been on the show before. I've been yeah. on the show before. Uh, he's our Iowa State guy. So that's all one you really them. need to know. Yeah. One of our Iowa State, Iowa State guys. That's the all OG really need to know. Iowa State guy. Yeah, the, the, the longest one we've had. Actually, one of the first people we've had on staff going back a ways. One of the oldest, at least the remaining ones. Uh, and then also we got Colin in here at the table, too. Yeah, hello. And we got Jock, but well, you can't hear Jock right now. It's all right. <laughs> he, he might be able to hear him back off in the distance, but he's here doing some things. So, uh, big week, guys. Big week. Last week kind of sucked um, game-wise. Also, we had some games that weren't supposed to be games that turned out to be games. That's sometimes not a very good case. But, uh uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you got the TCU-Ohio State game. What's some other big games around the country this week you guys are looking forward to? Uh, the Ole Miss-Alabama game, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I kind of anxious to see what Ole Miss's offense looks like against uh, Alabama's defense. Because I, I think we kind of tried, tried to see if we were a little, maybe a little too harsh after week one with Texas Tech's defense. Um, you know, because if they can go into Alabama and, and put us points against that defense, then maybe – Texas Tech's defense is not as bad as we were kind of that knee-jerk reaction after the first week. So mm-hmm. I, I like to see that game. Well, I don't know that we necessarily killed their defense. I think I think we, I think when we came out of that show, it was more. Um, it turned out not to be so good, but we don't really know because they lost their quarterback. So I don't know. I didn't think we were too hard on their defense anyway. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Corey, you got a game this week you're looking forward to? Uh, Hawaii at Army because Hawaii's been <laughs> lighting it up. I know. It's kind of random. But Hawaii's been lighting <laughs> it up. And then the LSU-Auburn game. Mm-hmm. I hate to go to the SEC again, but the LSU-Auburn game means something. Hawaii's been killing people at midnight uh, here, in, yeah. here in the States. Uh, Colin? Uh, LSU-Auburn. And then Duke and Baylor. Duke and Baylor? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in that game, too. I really am. There's, um, I mean, the Big 12 is right kind of in the middle of a lot of the big games this week. So It's a big week uh, for the conference. It really is. I mean, you got that. Now, I tell you the one I'm keeping an eye on, maybe I'm foolish, maybe nothing will come of it, but Washington goes to Utah this week. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah. Some people had them on upset, upset uh, watch. It's definitely, definitely one to keep your eye on. I mean, um, anybody in the Big 12 that's a contender, we really need Washington to lose one more time, and I don't think it's unthinkable. that I just don't see any way that team runs the Pac-12 slate without a loss somewhere. Uh, so, you know, we, we really, as a conference, need them to lose. Because if so, that takes the Pac-12 out of the equation. Unless a bunch of teams have two losses, then you know, obviously it brings them back. Especially after Texas mud stomps USC this week. You know, you got time machine the rest of us aren't, uh, don't have access to, to, to know that already. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's going to be a pretty big week. And then you've also got some of the, you know, Clemson's playing the mighty Georgia Southern Eagles or whatever they are, too. So you got some, a little mix of, of down and up on both both sides of it. Um, I know with the Big 12, obviously, the big one is, is TCU and Ohio State. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. We also have uh, Texas-USC, which, you know, in name is obviously a lot bigger than the game obviously is. Uh, and then Boise State-Oklahoma State. I think that's a quiet one that a lot of people are kind of forgetting about this week because of some of the other big games. That's an important game, guys. Um, and we'll get into that game more as we go, you know, into the previews here in a little bit. But, uh, I mean, that's two teams that 
have basically been on the same path these first couple weeks. They've played similar type competition. I would say, at least on paper, Oklahoma State's probably played the weakest of both teams in terms of Missouri State because they're an FCS school mm-hmm. or whatever, but they weren't a bad FCS school by any means. They weren't your typical one, but for the most part, they've played pretty similar competition, and, and as we'll get to here in a minute, I'll show everybody they pretty much put up the same numbers and been the same team both weeks, so uh, that's definitely one to watch. It'll be interesting. Um, you know, going into the league this week, I feel like uh, kind of the, the question I kind of wanted to address, I know we talked about it a little bit in the review show, just where you guys think the perception is of the league right now. I know it's kind of early. It's only week three, and the Pac-12 had some of their losses, and then some of their losses haven't been kind of front and center as ours have been. But I don't know, just your thoughts on where the perception is of the league right now? Rough. You think it's that bad? Yeah. I agree. Um, like you said, the Pac-12 is bad, but Washington, as their flagship, losing to Auburn, who was in the SEC championship last week or last year, looks a lot better than Texas Tech getting blown out by Ole Miss, which is not a perennial great team in the SEC, and that was our biggest game on the national stage. And uh, Kansas State losing to Mississippi, Mississippi State. At home. Yeah, but that game, I don't know. Again, I don't think people really – I don't know. I think people are kind of overblowing that. Kansas State didn't have any business being on the field with that team, guys. No. I think anybody, everybody pretty much knew that. Um, I don't think – if you got if you went to that game thinking Kansas State was going to win that game pretty comfortably, you're just not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how much that really hurts us in terms of – I mean, that'd be like, I don't know, uh, let's say TCU playing Vanderbilt and thumping the, cra- thumping the crap out of them. I don't think many people would pick Vanderbilt to win that game. So I'm not sure that really hurts us a whole lot. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. Again, it's so early. Uh, this week, this year's already been kind of chaotic too. I mean, we've had a lot of key injuries. That's something we have to get to as we get into these games. But I, I think that kind of weighs into a lot of people's minds too. Um, the other thing I want to talk about real quickly: the freshman thing. Have you guys seen anything interesting about how people are choosing to play their freshmen? Anything interesting in the in the methods that they're using? No, are you just talking about the redshirt rule? Yeah, the redshirt rule. Sorry, okay. yeah, the redshirt rule. So, I mean, you're seeing it in Oklahoma State. I mean, you had two weeks in a row where you've had blowouts, and they haven't brought in a guy that's perceived to be the backup quarterback. He has no reps at Oklahoma State. Instead, they've gone with the fourth-string quarterback. So, mm-hmm. you already see it in play there. Mm-hmm. Anybody see anything else interesting that they can think of? No, I mean, I can't think of any, you know, other than that, just because we're tied to the Big 12. But, I, I you know, I, I know it's, it's definitely going to start coming to play a lot more when we get towards – you know, league play back in the season, I think you're going to see a lot more talented freshmen that maybe you wouldn't have got to see otherwise. That mm-hmm. They're going to be able to get out there and get reps now that they, they wouldn't have in the years past. So I, I think you're really going to see it, especially, you know, say late October into November, I think you're going to start seeing some young kids that you normally don't get to see play. I think that's really when you're going to start seeing that rule being taken advantage of. But so- I – yeah. It's going to be like the September call-ups for baseball. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. And I, you would never get a lot of the coaches to admit this, I don't think. But I think you're seeing it, at least in our conference. I've been able to focus on it in terms of how much playing time some of these freshmen are getting to. Um, you're seeing a lot more, I think, equal reps in situations where you have a guy that's the kind of older guy and the talented freshman behind him. I think you're seeing a little bit. You're seeing some of that older guys come out a little earlier than maybe you would have, and then trying to play some of that in a, in a situation where before. You probably would have never saw the kid unless there was an injury, you know. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do feel like, I do feel like, and I know part of that is freshmen are more ready to play now. But I do feel like it's more front and center. It feels like this year you're seeing a lot more impact from freshmen, at least in our league. I haven't had a chance to see too much outside of that, but uh, at least feels that way. So um, let's get into these schedules on, or let's get into these games this week on the schedule. First on our uh, ballot here, 
is Oklahoma and, I, and Iowa State. Obviously, this is the rematch uh, from the big upset last year. Norman, uh, you know, they're not. From everything I've seen, Iowa State still doesn't expect to have camped. I don't think he's going to magically come out from behind a curtain somewhere and play. So it sounds like they're kind of stuck there with those Zeb. Um, just you know, you guys' expectations going into this game, maybe versus what it was last year, or, or maybe what we thought a couple weeks ago. Kendall, just you know, what do you think this Iowa State team is going to be bringing into the game this week? Well, I think they're bringing a pretty good defense into this game. Um, you know, I one thing we talked about was losing landing. How well, the, how what kind of effect is that going to have the defense? Well, Rose, the freshman, stepped in at linebacker and he played a phenomenal game against Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the defense front seven they're pretty good. Um, I, I think that they can do a lot of things against Oklahoma. But on the flip side of that, the the Iowa State offensive line looks so terrible in, in the Iowa game. If, if you're going into this game as an Iowa State fan, you got to kind of be really worried about what could possibly happen up front against, against uh, Oklahoma's defensive line. So I, I'd really, more than anything, not regardless of what the score is or anything like that, I just want to see improvement on that front line, see see things happening up there that, that we were not seeing in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, th- to me, that would be the biggest thing. Um, obviously, not having Kemp there is going to hurt a little bit. Um, you know, he is practicing a little bit from from what I've been reading, but you know, I I don't see any way that he plays in this game unless it's like some kind of absolute emergency type situation. So, um, but I, I, you know, to me, this game's just an odd game as of right now, especially after watching last week and then losing a quarterback. It, it, this is a strange game. Um, you know, it, it, I, I I'm really having a hard time grasping this. I mean, I can see. I can see a million things happening in this game that could be just out of the ordinary. So I, I'm, I, to me, this is one of the hardest games to look at and just say I think this is going to happen, or I think that you know it's really a strange game to me to pick. Mm-hmm. People have been building this matchup up over the off season because of the upset in Norman last year, mm-hmm. and it got a lot of hype, and I was really excited for this game until last week, and it wasn't just. It's not just because of their performance in last week. It's mostly because Oklahoma has been dominant. I was talking about it. It wasn't just because of Iowa State last week. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma's been dominant, and Iowa State, without Kempt, because everything I've seen, just like Kendall said, he's not going to be playing in this game, is Zeb Nolan did not look good last week. And if you have a guy behind center who can't get it done, I mean – Watching the Iowa game, he didn't even look like he had had a rep with these receivers. He was throwing balls, and they were weren't even looking around, turning around, and the ball was on the ground. Mm-hmm. And just again, what Kendall said: little victories, improvement on the offensive line, which was my big point coming into this season. And it'll help a little bit that Oklahoma's defensive line is not on the same caliber as Iowa's. Iowa's has always been good. Oklahoma has had a rough couple of years. They have some big talent, but they haven't been able to perform. It'll be interesting to see the little victories that come for Iowa State in this game. Yeah, um, that's kind of what worries me is even if – even, you know, say Iowa State plays a stiller game defensively, I just don't feel like they're going to have enough offense in the end to answer. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to hold Oklahoma out, obviously. So, um, and in turn, um, given the status of Iowa's off, Iowa State's offense, at least after one game, uh, and what appears to be several issues – and here's the thing, too, I want to point out. He's done a good job of kind of bringing them back to center and throughout the middle of the season the last couple of years. You know, maybe they start off slow in this area defensively or, off, you know, whatever. He's done a decent job of bringing them back to where they need to be by midseason. But after one game, guys, they're nowhere near to that point right now. And I just uh, – as much as I want this to be the great game everybody thinks it's going to be, I did, again – 
and I know it's a completely different situation, but pointing back to the FAU game, I just don't see it. Like, I didn't see it in that game. I just don't – they don't match up well. And last year, you could at least say you thought Iowa State, even though we had no idea they were going to upset Oklahoma, would do some things, you know, well. I just don't see it offensively. I mean, what do you guys expect down this Iowa State offense? Well, I mean, that that's the million-dollar question. I mean, it, they didn't run the ball well last week. They didn't throw the ball well last week. Um, you know – and that comes down to the offensive line. Whenever you can't can't block either pass game or run game, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's really it's really hard to do anything. You know, I, I offensively, I'm 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 I think maybe the, they will do a little bit better than they did last week. Uh, but I, you know, as far as saying I think they're going to put thirty points on the board, no, I don't I don't see that happening. Just because there was too many big problems I seen up front to fully correct in a week. Yeah. Um, you know, even, even if it's not a talent issue, just communication, whatever it is, there were so many breakdowns and so many, so many problems there that, um, you know, especially with the way Oklahoma has been playing lately, a lot more, you know, they're putting a lot more pressure they're bringing guys, they're doing different things. And so that right there, you know, can spell disaster. Mm-hmm. And so I offensively, I mean, I, I the, one thing they're going to have to do in this game, they're going to have to run the ball better. I mean, they what they had point eight yards of carry last week against mm-hmm. Iowa that yep. that can't happen again. And if it does, they got to figure out a way to try to get uh, Montgomery the ball in space or something because he is their best player. And I, I felt like last last time they just I mean, in the Iowa game they just kept trying to feed him the ball, run, run, run. Well, put him in the slot, do something, try mm-hmm. to get the ball in his hands in, in the open field. And let your best player go make plays. The the thing I point to too, I mean, just some of these numbers here. And again, I know people. Oh, it's only one game for Iowa State. Well, I, Saturday that don't matter. That doesn't matter to Oklahoma. That doesn't matter. To, I mean, they're gonna have to come out and do this one way or the other. So it doesn't matter what we have to say about them after one game, whether it's fair or not fair. The point is they gotta throw it out on the table Saturday after one game mm-hmm. and figure out what's going on. So, I mean, obviously the big one points per game. Oklahoma's averaging 56. Iowa State has three. Um, that's probably the most disparaging one. You know, you've got points allowed per game. It's kind of hard to do this one because, you know, Oklahoma's faced – well, I mean, for instance, FAU quarterback goes out and he's the player of the week in the American Conference the week after they left Norman. So we think they are a pretty sufficient offense. And like I said, I don't see any reason why they couldn't put up a few touchdowns on any Big 12 any given week. But they've given up 17.5 points per game. Iowa State gave up 13, you know, all to Iowa there last week. Yards, 567 to 188. Mm-hmm. I mean, offensively, guys, that's just – it's just so overwhelming that I don't know – and here's my question to you, Corey. Um, you know, they like to play that, that cloud defense, obviously, that's become so famous now in the Big 12. Um, it's kind of a keep everything in front, you know, they and that's and it's a brilliant idea because even in our, in our world of offenses, you know, so dominant – the more you can make somebody have to make plays to get down the field, the better chance they're going to screw up at some point as opposed to you have the big play and score in three plays. I mean, it's kind of brilliant in that aspect. But that said, I mean, do you think they'll be able to kind of sit back and play that defense? If this if Say Oklahoma gets up, you know, 17 to nothing really quickly. How long are they going to be able to play this wait-and-see defense? Are they, are they stubborn enough to stay four quarters with it? And at some point are they going to say, hey, we got to make something happen because we got to get the ball? I hope that they would be stubborn enough to stick with it at least for three quarters. It depends, just like you said on the score. If Oklahoma, if it gets out of hand quickly, then no, you got to bring the guys up and you got to try to create turnovers no matter the cost because you're already out of the game if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. But it worked last year against the most one of the most prolific offenses in the history of the game, and Oklahoma's on pace for, to do the same thing. So why wouldn't it work again? I don't, I don't think they'll have an issue. 
running their scheme. Mm-hmm. I Like I said earlier, I really don't expect a win, but holding Oklahoma to 30 points is a huge win for Iowa State. Well, and I, I will I will say this going into this too, this will be the best front seven that Oklahoma's seen all year. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, oh, by, yeah. by, by, yeah, by quite a margin. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that they're going to be able to hold them to, to low score? I'm not saying that, but – it, it they they are bringing some talent there. I mean, there's one thing that I can say for Iowa State is that, that front seven is pretty dang good mm-hmm. as a group. So I'm I'm curious to see. I I honestly think if I had to kind of give you a, a game plan of what I think is going to happen through this, I feel like Iowa State's defense can play pretty good for like say the first half. I think they keep them in the ball game, but I just don't think. They, they can, you know, the back end of it, I feel like Oklahoma's going to pull away because, the, the, you know, defense is going to be wore out. OU's got a little bit better depth. Um, and, and, you know, Iowa State's woes on the offensive line, I feel like, you know, Oklahoma starts pulling away there mid-third quarter on, they start pulling away. Which that, is, that would be what I would guess. Which is what we saw last week against Iowa. I mean, the game went three to three to nothing, three to three, three to six, and then three to 13. Mm-hmm. They got tired and they allowed a touchdown in the fourth quarter, which was what shut the door for Iowa State. And they're not going to be able to do that. You can't get tired against Oklahoma because they have the depth. They'll just keep coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. Mm-hmm. That being said, the defense is not at all my concern for this game. Yeah, well, that's that's another thing I want to get to. And you know, Oklahoma's defense um, obviously is com- they're playing completely different this year. And I don't think it's the nature of the mm-hmm. opponents because trust me when I say. When they played Akron a couple of years ago, they weren't doing this. wasn't attempting it. wasn't even trying to do it. Uh, it's like Mike suddenly woke up one day and said, "I remember how to go after people." Uh, you know, and that, that's kind of what they're doing. Um, you know, while Oklahoma doesn't, you know, I give you, they're not the best defensive line in the world. They're not as good as Iowa was last year or last week. Um, I do think they can be. Uh, Iowa to me didn't look like the most athletic defensive line in the world. I just do. think they're great, sound players. So in that aspect, I do think Oklahoma does bring something there, some athleticism that maybe they did like. They don't have a Navelle Gallimore at, at Iowa. They just don't. Um, so in that aspect, you know, with the pressure and everything they're bringing in the, and the woes about the offensive line, is that where this thing really could get out of hand quickly for Iowa State? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's the number one on the team other than you can't really count Kent being out because that's a fluke. It happens. Mm-hmm. The number one thing on this team that I've been preaching about through offseason, I said it on Mark Rogers too, that offensive line does not have in-game experience other than Iowa. They mm-hmm. didn't have their tune-up game to get everything right. Yeah. And that's going to be the biggest problem is because you're going in and facing power five opponent and talent. And and on the other side, where their front seven you guys were talking about were making an impact, if there's one group for Oklahoma over the last several years that you feel good about, if it wasn't running back, it's probably offensive line. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they have an offensive line that can withstand some of that. That's going to be a great matchup to watch as that defensive line and that offensive line go at it. So, uh, this game is at 11 o'clock. On ABC, uh, your local ABC affiliate, some of you guys, depending on where you're listening, it may show up, I think, on ESPN2 as the yes. other option or whatever. So uh, check that game out if you're at all interested. It'll be the first one of the day, and I think the only one in the 11 o'clock slot, isn't it? Is there another one? Uh, Kansas, Kansas and Rutgers. Kansas. Oh, Kansas Rutgers, duh. I should have known. I wasn't sure if that one was playing some odd time, like 1030 at night where nobody was awake. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Kansas at Rutgers is also on 11 o'clock. So if you have your choices, you might go Oklahoma, Iowa State, just saying. Uh, all right, let's roll on. To, uh, oh, do you guys do we want to do predictions on this game? Anybody? Do you want to throw That's one right out? Not. Since I, we have the Iowa State guy here, I take OU to cover. OU to cover. What is the line on this game? Uh, Seventeen, 17 and a half. Yeah. yeah. That's the lowest line they've had in a while. That's kind of nice to have a normal line to pick it for yeah. OU again. 
Uh, here lately, it's been 30 points and we're freaking whatever. It's like, good God, guys, you're killing me here. Yeah, that backdoor cover against UCLA was not cool. Yeah, no, it, well, there was a lot of people lost a lot yep. of money on that one. A lot of money. Uh, Kendall, your, your uh, pick on this one? I think OU covers, like I said, I, I, I feel like first half into third quarter, it, it'll be, you know, a 10-point ball game or so. But then, like I said, I, I feel like Oklahoma's horses are really going to come out like third, middle third quarter on, mm-hmm. and that's when OU's going to kind of start pulling away. Yes. Yeah. I fully I fully expect by the start of the fourth quarter, this thing's over. Kendall, um, t- Kendall took the words out of my mouth. Uh, close game at halftime, everybody's going to be catching their breath saying, oh, are they going to pull off the magic again? And Lincoln Riley's like, no, mm-hmm. we're not doing this again. Uh, I one question I had too. What is a a you know? We're, there's a lot of question. I forgot to ask this, and I apologize. I should have asked it a while ago. There's a lot of question about what is Oklahoma's defense, and I and we won't know yet. I've already said they're definitely playing better than they were last year. They're a better defense than they have been last year. They just are because of the way they're playing. But in terms of everybody wants to know, is this a good defense? In ter- you know, good, great, whatever you want to put on it. What should we be looking for as a score for Iowa State, at least when the game's in play? You know, now they start putting backups in. I can't do anything about what happens in the fourth quarter. But for the most part, what is the score? If they hold Iowa State under blank, what do you think is a good showing for this Oklahoma defense? See, I think you, you can't really grade them because they don't have Kemp. And this offense without their quarterback exactly is not going to be – well, okay, If then in that case, if they hold them to seven, is it a pretty good day defensively? I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you would have to at some point give the defense credit regardless of who's back there if they hold them that low. You're going to have to look at what David Montgomery does. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just going to be incomplete for me still after this game. Versus what he did last I mean, week at sh- Iowa. If they go out and shut him out, it's one thing. So, I mean, if that if that happens, and I guess it just depends on how it goes to score-wise, maybe not be as important, but just how the game flow goes. Mm-hmm. Maybe how much production they give up right. or something yeah. like that. Uh, okay. Uh, Colin, you get – yeah, okay, everybody give theirs. All right, uh, let's roll on to the next one. Next one is Rutgers at Kansas, also at 11 o'clock in the morning. What, what did you affectionately uh, name this game, Corey? The Toilet Bowl. Oh, yes. Know, call this? Yeah, this is the National Toilet Bowl this year. Um, it doesn't – I if you can find a paper, a game on worse on paper, then I would love to see it. I, I don't think there is <laughs> Did, one. Didn't somebody call you out on Twitter about that? Yeah, freaking touchy-ass Kansas fan. <laughs> um, he's got a podcast, and I don't know his name, but he – He's I, I he hasn't followed us a long time, so I don't think he understands like my humor on Twitter yet, and right. like when I'm joking and when I'm not joking. <laughs> so the few things I have said about Kansas, boy, he's just really, and it's only been like in the last two or three weeks. So I really think he just hasn't followed us long enough to understand my humor. I don't but, think that anybody should be upset about any jokes about Kansas. No, they are a joke. Uh, yeah, and and here's the thing, like. I wasn't meaning it. Well, and here's the thing too. He, he wanted to turn this into like a, you know, Oxford study on whether or not this actually qualifies for a, a toilet bowl game because they're both a little bit. Like, dude. Okay, the last decade, I don't think anyone either at any point you could have named these two the worst in the Power Five. I mean, it's not a big deal. Like, just let it go. It's okay. Um, it's not something we mean seriously. But at the same time, you gotta laugh at yourself. It's just part of it. I mean, I yeah. you know. If Oklahoma was this bad, believe me, I would have 100,000 jokes to show to make fun of them. It's just how it goes. Um, all right. So this game's at 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, 9, obviously, on, on Saturday. Uh, you know, this game here, the, this one kind of threw me this week. Like, I felt so good about what I thought was going to happen in this game. And then Kansas goes out and does what they did last Saturday. And now I'm a little iffy because – so I start looking at, like, competition. You know, who's Rutgers played versus who's Kansas played. Can't really compare those. I mean, you've got one game in there that you could compare for each, but after that, it's completely different situations. I, I'm probably leaning Rutgers on this one. I just think they're a little bit better team, but then you throw on the fact that it is in Lawrence, although 
it's not like Lawrence is any kind of home field advantage, but still Rutgers has to go there, uh, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I'm just curious, you guys, did anybody battle with that this week? You know, what to feel on this game? Uh, you know, ESPN has FBI 51% uh, Kansas, and that's one of the closer ones I've ever seen as far as a toss-up matchup on this. So I don't know, just you guys' just thoughts on, on coming into this game, where you're at on this. I'm really impressed that Kansas is not the underdog. I thought they would be uh, not a knock on Rutgers or Kansas, either one, but I think Rutgers averaging three wins a season versus Kansas not having a single one last year <laughs> and one the year before. Exactly. That's it all really you got to surprised go me. Yeah. I mean, that's all you got to go off is history with these because you don't, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like suddenly they got new coaches or a better roster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, Rutgers has recruited very well uh last season especially the 2017 class was pretty good the 2018 class was very good for them too so they have recruited better that's the other thing i fall on aren't they starting a freshman quarterback yes yeah uh-huh yep um the uh the thing i fall on in that is is that they've recruited better than kansas so i feel like they've got a little bit better talent than, than kansas does mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't know, just you got i mean they are Without their their guy Sitowski, isn't that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they are without him. So or Sitkowski, however you say that name, uh, they are without him, and that to me kind of brings me back towards Kansas. So I, I'm just all over the map on this game, guys. I don't know. Just your thoughts on what do you think Kansas is going to do in this one? Well, I, I'm I'm picking Kansas to win um, because I feel like maybe that momentum last week I, I think can help carry them over a little bit. Um, I, I think that was you know when you haven't been won in a long time, that, and and then especially on the road and. Ten years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's games. the thing. Yeah, yeah we so, forgot to give them their praise. The yeah. forty-six game in streak is over. So. so, so I mean, whenever you know, they got to be feeling a lot better about themselves in practice. And then on the other hand, you have Rutgers last week who played Ohio State, and I, I'm just assuming there's probably some guys that are still sore from that game, you know, <laughs> on Rutgers team. So I, you know, I, I, I'm really, I think this is a really good spot for Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like they can, they can win this game. I, th- I think the spread's about right. I think it's a three point favorite for Kansas right now. And to me, that, that seems about right. I, I see it being kind of like a, a 21 17 type ball game. I, I feel like it's going to be a close, um, you know, not a super high scoring affair. But I'm, I'm really leaning towards Kansas. I, I like, I like their effort last week. You know, one thing I said about in the, the post show was that. I thought maybe they were just going out there and roll over at Central Michigan, and they came out and they fought and they and they played hard. So you know if they can do that here, I really think they have a good shot at winning this ball game. Mm-hmm. Colin, just uh, any thoughts on Kansas? What do you think you might get out of them this week? I, I think I'm with Kendall. I think that game last week is going to give them something that they haven't had in a long time, and that's hope. And we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. They just seemed to be kind of floating dead in the water. They needed something to change, and maybe that wins what it is. You know, I don't think they'll you know take it into winning several games this year let's not get carried away but at the time at the same time i could see them competing against Rutgers. the one thing that i think that they need in this game is turnovers mm-hmm. you saw last week that was huge last week and why did they have like six turnovers in that game mm-hmm. yeah so if they can find a way to force a couple of turnovers and then not turn over the ball themselves they could definitely win this game especially you know you bring in puka williams mm-hmm. you know he, he was real hyped in the off season and everything and actually lived up to it when he actually had his chance so and they got another really good back, but the Tom uh, Williams. Well, no, 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 I didn't. What? What's the one that ran for all the yards? Khalil Herbert. Yeah, yeah. They, they got him also. So I mean, it's yeah. like they've got some actual quality depth in the freaking backfield right now. They do, and and I guess one thing I'll also like to see would be Peyton Bender actually be effective. Mm-hmm. You know, he he looked okay last week, just didn't really do that much with his opportunities, mm-hmm. and somehow you know you got to get um, Stephen Sims involved. 
Yeah, yeah. And I I don't want to say this is a get-right game for Kansas because there's no such thing for Kansas right now. Um, they, they just can't roll one out there and win it. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like this is a chance where they've, they'll have some breathing room to maybe work on some things if they need to and figure some of that out without having to worry about the game just completely getting away from them. You know? Um, I don't know. I just To me, I'm going to probably, when it all is said and done, lean towards Kansas because the quarterback that, for for Rutgers. That's about the only deciding factor I could come at. Like I said, I've come in back and forth all week where I was leaning Rutgers, and then we found out that news, and then like I've just I've gone crazy on this game. It's probably been the hardest one for me to pick, and I don't know how long. Um, I'll probably go a slight lean Kansas, like I said, just because when all is said and done, because of the quarterback. And I wish we would have picked this game for our spreads. I don't think we did, did we? No, we did not. No, I wish we'd have done that because this would have been a really interesting one. But you know, this I, would have been one that we all got wrong. Probably, we probably would all screwed <laughs> up. We probably would all jinx Kansas. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, good luck to them boys. We hope they win another one. It'd be nice to have Definitely. them two and one, and, oh, yeah. and Rutgers one and two. So. Hopefully they get that thing done here. Um, there's no stats really. I mean that you know there's no real big discrepancies in the stats here. They're all fairly similar. Um, the one I would say maybe the biggest uh, that favors Kansas is points per game and points allowed per game. Everything else is close enough. I feel like uh, points per game for Rutgers is 19, whereas Kansas has scored 27. So that's that's a little bit in their favor, and then points allowed per game twenty nine and a half for Rutgers, only sixteen and a half for Kansas's defense. So that's also factoring in a, a butt whooping by Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, that is in there. It, it obviously it also is in there. So, but you know that's I don't know that's the only advantages I could really find for them to much degree. Uh, Rutgers is outpassing them by a decent margin, but I, I don't know. I, it's hard to make. We know Bender's not just going to go out there and light the world on fire. So what uh, what TV is this on? Or is it on anything? FSN is good. I'm I'm looking forward to watching this one. Yep, this will be that one that's probably like 676-1 on DirecTV or whatever. So, all right, uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, Kind of a big one for the league. Again, a lot of people are talking about it because of the other two, but the Boise State-Oklahoma State game, uh, it is on at 2.30 in that slot on ESPN. Um, You know, guys, this one here may be the most interesting of the week to me. Now, obviously – TCU and Ohio State is a big one, and that's got all the pomp and circumstance, and we really want to see what happens in that game. But in terms of what the – you know, I don't think TCU is going to go out and get rolled by any means. I think that'll be – you know, that could happen possibly, but I don't think they're going to go out and rolled. So I think we'll come out with a decent showing as a conference in that game regardless. This one I think could have some stakes too for us in terms of what it looks like. If Oklahoma State goes out and gets beat, and Boise State's good. They're ranked higher than Oklahoma State and all that, but still it's Boise State. I just think that leaves a little bit more of a lasting image on you. So, And you're at home. You know, that doesn't help either. So, you know, what have you guys seen? I know you guys have been kind of studying up for this game in terms of what Boise State is. What I mean, what what have we expected from the Broncos coming into Oklahoma State this week? I'm expecting a really good team to come into town. You know, um, they're good offensively, have a very experienced quarterback, talented wide receivers, good offensive line, defense is good. Um, you know, I think they basically returned everybody off last year's squad except for the linebacker that's playing for the Cowboys now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, by far, this is the, the most talented team Oklahoma State's played this so far this year and probably going to be one of the top five that they play all season. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely going to be a test for them. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think one thing that in this game um, is the turnover. You know, normally, and you hear co- that's kind of coach talk, you know, win the turnover battle, you always hear that. But in a game like this where I feel like, you know, either team can win this ball game, 
turnovers are going to be a big play here. Mm-hmm. And so I, Oklahoma State is going to have to take care of the football. They can't have any dumb uh, interceptions, and, you know, and, and they, need to, they need to try to turn over Boise State a little bit. You know, that's one of the things they're talking about is being more aggressive, doing different things on defense to, to create turnovers. And, well, this will be the game that we need to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think this game is going to be a really interesting game. I, I, to me, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth battle pretty much all day long is kind of what I, I, I see coming. I, I don't see – Personally, I don't see either one of the teams pulling away from the other one. I think I think it's going to be back and forth, pretty much, you know, for the, the entire football game. What's the strength on strength matchup in this game? Is there one, or is they are they just on opposite sides of the ball, and you can't really do anything about it? Is it both offense, both defense? Mm, I, to me, strength on strength is probably probably going to be uh, you know Oklahoma State's wideouts uh, against their defense. I, you know, I think that's because their, their defense is solid. On all three levels, mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, another thing I, I want to see it, can Justice Hill run the football here? Um, I think that that right there would make uh, Oklahoma State's life a lot easier with with the quarterback situation if they can establish a running game, hit more play action, do things like that, stay out of third and long. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a big part of the game. They're going to have to to run the football enough to put them in good third down positions where they're not, you know, third and twelve. Colin, uh, you're. In your opinion, what is the bigger issue for Oklahoma State in this game from what we've seen? Is it uh, the questions around Cornelius in the passing game, or is it Oklahoma State's offensive line? Offensive line, without a doubt. And if for Oklahoma State to win the same, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. If you see it like last week where they the defensive line's getting into the backfield before the running backs have even a chance to take a step, mm-hmm. they're in big trouble because – if they can't run, if they're behind, playing behind the sticks all game, they're just going to be coming, you know, ears pinned back at Cornelius, and he's not ready for that. Is it fair to say that Oklahoma State has a pretty good athlete advantage in this game? You know, I think it's probably closer than people might think, but I do think they have, you know, without a doubt, they had the best player in the field in Justice Hill. He's mm-hmm. the best player in the field. From there, there's going to be spots where they're close. I, I, I think Boise State, you know, they are a group of five team. However, they're not your – your grandma or your grandpa's power yeah, five team. Yeah, no, they're definitely not. They they do have some athletes there. Um, is it a term in terms of you think Boise State's approach? Is it fair to say they're probably going to try to shut down Justice Hill and force Cornelius to beat him? Oh, I think you're crazy if you don't do that. Yeah, I, 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 I mean that, that's going to be what Oklahoma State faces all year. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, is how do we feel about Boise State's defensive line in this game? How good do you feel like they are? Well, I mean, they're turning pretty much everybody, right? I mean, and their defense was solid all the last season. I, mm-hmm. they're they're good. I mean, I are, are they you know one of the top ones in the country? No, but I mean, they they have really good solid uh, guys across there that do their job. Um, so I mean, it, this is going to be a test for Oklahoma State's offensive line. There, there's absolutely no doubt. Um, I feel like that that to me is the if Oklahoma State wins this ball game, that's where you're going to see either a they're going to be able to handle that up front and run the football against them. Or they're not going to be able to. Uh, to me, that's that's the tell sign of how this ball game goes, whether Boise wins or Oklahoma State wins. It, it's Oklahoma State's offensive line and and Boise's defensive line. To me, is where the game is won or lost. The the quarterback. That, go ahead, Colin. Sorry, I was going to say. See, I think one thing that I would like to see in this game is for Oklahoma State to pick your starting five offensive linemen. I, uh, it's nice to have depth mm-hmm. and everything, but you're not seeing the Oklahomas, the uh, the other teams with good offensive lines. They may play a few more guys, but Oklahoma State's doing like the rolling people through and everything you, you can't do that at some point you need to pick your line 
and start building, con- you know, building continuity with that group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, kind of moving over to the other side of the ball. I don't know that Boise State's quarterback quite gets enough credit. I mean, he's a pretty solid player. He's forty-one and fifty-six, six hundred sixty-seven yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he's he's you know only what was that sixty sixty yards roughly passing behind Cornelius, uh, but he's got a much better completion percentage and he doesn't have the picks Cornelius has. So I think he's a pretty good player. You know, he to me I got to watch him last. I think it was the last week or the first week I saw their game. I can't remember which one it was now. They can't rain together, but. Um, he is very good at staying in the system and doing what he needs mm-hmm. to do. Like, I don't know that he's going to ever just go out and just, you know, shine all over the field and make all these crazy throws, but he does what they do well and, and knows how to run their offense and their system. So in terms of, you know, him against these these defensive backs, you know, with some of the questions we've had there, what does that mean? You know, does that match up? Where are you? How much? It worries me from this, this point of view. Oklahoma State's thing has been to put pressure, do blitzes, do different things like that. This is going to be the first time they've seen a quarterback who's going to be able to see the blitz and hit the right person. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, the other two quarterbacks were not able to do that. I think he's smart enough, mature enough, and and has you know, has talent around him enough to to be able to take advantage of some of the blitzes that the Oklahoma State brings. You know, a few times in, in some of the other games, they they would really bring a lot of pressure on one side, and the quarterback just didn't see it or whatever. I, I, this is going to be the game to me where that quarterback realizes what's coming and is able to hit that, you know, and the, and the wide receiver knows he's what's coming and they're on the same page and they hit a hot route. So it's going to be – this is really going to be a test for the defense to see, you know, this pressure, this whole pressure game, how well does it actually work against an opponent who can counteract what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really interesting from that point of view. Um, how much, you know, we, we've seen it a little bit uh, already in the games, and I'm curious because this is a game where – at least it appears on paper they're going to have a matchup that lasts throughout the fourth quarter. Um, the the running back situation, we see Justice Hill kind of come out after about 15 carries or whatever the last few weeks. How much are they going to push him? Do they feel like – are they comfortable with what's behind him enough to get him out there and play him? Or do you feel like this is a game where we could see Hill go 25 carries if he has to? I think they're comfortable with what's behind him, but I think if they don't let him touch the ball 20 times in this game, they're crazy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you have to run you run with your horse, and mm-hmm. that that's your horse. So, I I could see them, you know, maybe eighteen to twenty carries for him, and then obviously get King a few, and then Hubbard. This might be a game where you kind of see L D Brown phased out a little bit. I don't think you're going to see all four necessarily as much as we've seen over the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you know, I me personally, I kind of feel like Justice Hill has a big game. I think they win. Is there another player, you know, that, that, that if they have a huge game, you really feel like Oklahoma State's got a shot to win this? Uh, for me, I would say either uh, Wallace. No, I'm gonna say Bundage or um, oh, defensive Brelford. Okay, if oh yeah, defensive Bre- line. Yeah. If defensive line has a big game, this those are the guys that are gonna do it. Yeah, and that's and there's a stat that goes with that. I guess. I, well, I'll go ahead and wait because we're gonna do we're gonna discuss some stats here in a minute that will go around the league. I was gonna say now, but I'll wait. Um, yeah, if, Brelf- if Brelford has a big game, I, I definitely think that. To me, that could be a total just shut it down for Boise State. If he gets into their backfield and causes havoc, Boise State's out of this game. I just don't see any way they can stay, keep and, up with Oklahoma State at that point. And see, it's not even – they don't even necessarily have to get sacks. They just mm-hmm. have to get, to get there and cause that the pressure, famous yeah. quarterback hurry stat. Yeah, Cause exactly. the pressure, maybe force a turnover. Um, the one thing I, I noticed, too, is Madison, their running back from Boise, doesn't have a lot of – I mean, 25 carries, 171 yards. I, you know, I, 171 yards. That's like basically one game. So, I don't. I'm curious to see what he does. You know, I mean, that would be one game on a, on a competitive game. 
uh, the games haven't been competitive for them either, like kind of much like we haven't seen with Hill. So I'm curious to see what that what he's got. You know, has it just been a situation where they've been so far ahead they can take him out and don't have to worry about it? Is he not as effective? You know, I'm just curious to see uh, that game. Um, you know, Wallace from the receiver's position, you know, that that he could have a big game. Who's a couple of the other guys in receivers you think maybe have a big game in this one? Or is there a guy maybe they can't account for, you know, if they're accounting for Wallace and everybody else, who's the kind of the sneaky pick to kind of hurt them? I think the uh, the trendy pick would probably be one of the inside receivers, whether it's McCluskey or Stoner. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something I would look for definitely. I I I feel like I don't know why, but I just feel like this could be a big game for McCluskey or Stoner. I kind of feel it lean McCluskey. Uh, not that anything against Stoner, I just feel like McCluskey could have a huge game. It just feels like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle in some of these games like this. So, um, all right. Uh, kind of final predictions on this one. I know there's a lot of people picking Boise. I, now, there's FBI, a whole lot of people picking Boise. Uh, FBI favors <laughs> Oklahoma State, 54 to 45. For anybody who's curious, but I think the spread's down to two now. Like yes. It started off at three and a half, and it's worked its way down two. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there, there's the the money's coming in on Boise to to win this game. A lot of people think anyway. So um, I don't know. Just you guys' thoughts. What do you? What kind of prediction you got, Corey? You can start with them. Let them think about it. What's your prediction on this game? Uh, I told you guys earlier. I picked Boise. Um, I said handily that got some laughs, and it probably is worth it. But <laughs> uh, I am not sold on Cornelius at all. And the level of competition that Oklahoma State has played up to this point, and they still haven't impressed me. I mm-hmm. mean, Missouri State and uh, Alabama State is nothing, and they still haven't blown me away. I think I pick Boise by 10 to 14. Dang, okay. That's cool. right. I take Oklahoma State in a close one. Maybe – Three to seven. Do we, like think, do we think uh, – that's the other thing. Do we think these defenses are going to kind of keep this close? I mean, they're both pretty solid defenses. I think But neither one of these teams are used to playing low-scoring games. So I think it's in the 30s. 30s? Yeah, I yeah. agree. It would be an upper. Like a 38-33 kind of game or something weird yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Colin. I, I think Oklahoma State has enough speed to, to, make, to make a big play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the thing. I think they can make a big play late – with their speed, because Boise State, they are athletic. They are not your typical, um, you know, non-Power Five team. But but I feel like Oklahoma State's so fast across the board. I mean, mm-hmm. their their speed. I mean, one thing they can do, they can run like crazy. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they have a chance to, to you know catch a little a little slant or something and, and be gone. Mm-hmm. And so I I feel like that might be you know towards the end of the game, one big play like that can really. Oklahoma State over the top, but I I'm, I'm picking Oklahoma State in this game uh, close. But honestly, if you were to say Boise State wins by a, a field goal, I would not. It would not shock me. You know, any. I think it's going to be a close ball game all the way through. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's roll to the next one. We got Duke versus Baylor. It comes on at 2.30 on your FS1 station. Uh, DirecTV people, I know that's 2.19. Dad, I meant to pull up the uh, watch-up guide for everybody. I'll do that here in a minute. Uh, we can list some of the other channels for everybody. But uh, 2.30 p.m. Central, uh, our time, obviously. So this one, guys, was an interesting game last year. I don't know how many people watched it because a lot of people wasn't really on the radar last year. For some reason, I was watching it. I don't remember why, but I was watching it. And, um, you know, this was a game where Baylor had some turnovers, and this was before – I want to say the week before they played Oklahoma, and, and you know everybody was just so down on Baylor, and then they go out and have that game with Oklahoma, and that game kind of set the tone for the rest of the year, where they were in games, they were fighting, they looked like a completely different team. That team that played Oklahoma in, in the rest of the season, West Virginia and those teams, if they played Duke last year, they would have beat Duke in in up there in uh, Durham. So um, that, and I kind of expect somewhat of uh, We haven't quite seen the Baylor team. We saw that last three quarters of the season last year show up. 
Um, you know, I think they're going to be jacked up in front of their crowd. It's a big game for them. I would like to see them do that. Both teams are 2-0. Um, now, is it is Duke lost their quarterback? Yes. Quarterback and their All-American corner. Yeah, so um, that's going to be hurting Duke. I mean, they're not – you know, they're leading passer Jones. 29 for 39, 389 yards and four touchdowns in two games so far. Well, one in whatever game so far. Uh, four touchdowns. So, I mean, you know, he hasn't been – there's lights out, but he's been pretty solid for him. So, um, I don't know, Kendall, you, you, you're kind of our Baylor guy. Just what do you expect to, to, to kind of be a matchup here for Baylor? Well, I mean, this this game really took a big turn losing – with Duke losing those two players. I mean, that's probably the, their, their two best players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say they went into Northwestern last week and, and beat Northwestern at Northwestern, which is uh, not an easy task to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so I, I was yeah. impressed with the way they played. They're, I will say this. They might have lost two guys, but they're not going to come into this game thinking they're going to lose. I mean, th- you know, a lot of teams, like when they lose a quarterback, they're like, oh, crap, this, this you know, here we go. You know? But, yeah, exactly. They, they're not going to have that mentality coming into this game. They're going to fully believe they can win this game. And so um, the, the one thing I'm curious to see, I've, you know, I've kind of been down on Baylor's defense – against some of the competition they've been playing. I feel like they, sh- they gave them up uh, too many points mm-hmm. for who they've been playing. So I'm kind of curious to see how well their defense comes out to play this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I-, I feel like Baylor can throw the ball on Duke. I feel like, they- especially with them losing their All-American corner, so that, that really opens the field up uh, tremendously for Brewer. But um, I-, I-, I, you know, I'm leaning – This to me, this is a to- coin toss game. I mean, to be honest, like if I had to pick it. Um, but I feel like Baylor can move the ball. I feel like they're going to be able to score some points. Um, but I also feel like – even though they lost their quarterback, I feel like Duke's still going to be able to move the ball and score some points against Baylor's uh, defense as well. Does it shock you at all that given what Duke has lost, FPI still favors them 61.4? Because they factor those kind of things in FPI. No, not it doesn't shock me just with the way the Baylor's defense has played. You know, you can't give up that many points to lower echelon teams yeah. and then go into an FBS matchup and expect, you know, this – Baylor right now has the feel of a a Texas Tech team from like six seven years ago where they had to score you know fifty five points to have a chance to win a game. Mm-hmm. Except they probably still don't have the depth that those teams had right. either. So yeah, uh, that that's why I mean that Kendall's exactly right. That's what scares me in this game. Can Baylor's defense do enough to give their offense a chance to score enough points to win this game? Yeah, they're they're giving up twenty three and a half points a game right now to those teams. Yeah, versus Duke is giving up ten and a half. And, 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 so. and it's not like it's all on the back end of those games either. They yeah, were no. they were giving up points in the first mm-hmm. half with their starters in there. So I mean, yeah. it, it's that's what scares me a little bit. It's kind of been masked over a little bit across you know across the the media for the most part, but the. If you look at it, their defense hasn't played that well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really think that this game I, – I need to see a big improvement here before I really get on the Baylor bandwagon. I think their offense is improving, but their defense to me is still just stagnant, and that's what worries me going into this game. Do we think, um, you know, collectively, do we think that if Duke does play strong defense, let's say they hold Mims down and they hold her down a little bit in the passing game and all that – Let's say their offense is stagnant. You know they don't do a. Can they hold Baylor down enough defensively as a team that if they don't go out and put up twenty something points in this game, they can win it? You know Absolutely. I mean? How many points does Duke have to score? I guess with a backup quarterback and stuff to win this game, in your opinion? Are you talking to me? Whoever. I don't care who answers it. I don't care who answers it. Duke's, Duke's defense has been ridiculously good this year, and they've been talked about a lot. I don't. Um, Baylor's offense is always good, but they haven't played the caliber of defense this season to show me that they can do it against mm-hmm. against Duke's defense. So I think to answer your question, I think Duke needs to score three times. If it's and that's enough, you think they'll hold them down? Yes. 
Well, I, and you definitely could. One thing I'm curious too is the quarterback situation. You know, mm-hmm. he, to me, they yeah, they, they, they have, haven't answered that yet. Yeah. In, in order to win this ball game, because I feel like they're going to have to put up some points, Brewer to me gives your best option as far as being able to hit some bigger explosive plays. You know, to 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 hit the scoreboard, and make it a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see if they still employ that. Here you go for a couple possessions. You go for a couple possessions because. To me, if you're doing that, you have zero chance of rhythm, and the team with a defense like Duke, they're they're gonna they're gonna take away some things that you do. I'll, so I, I don't I just don't like that situation. I'll, so. I'll put it this way: if if we reach the end of this game and they're still doing that, I'm really worried about Baylor for this season. I, whether it's the coach's idea or whatever, because like you talked about with Cade, this offensive line still has a lot of issues, and Cade can move. Cade Cade can get you know roll outside the pocket. He can make throws on the run. He can do all that now. You know, he's not Brett Favre, but he does it well for what they have. Who's Cade? Um, Brewer. Charlie? Charlie. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was thinking Cade. I don't know why I had that name on here. Sorry. I saw the C, and I, for some reason, thinking Cade. Sorry. Charlie Brewer uh, can run around and do all that uh, better than, than uh, McClendon. Oh, McClendon can. So, I, I just – to me, it seems silly to have the guy who seems a little more statuesque back there when you're having those problems. When, and here's the other thing, too. Brewer clearly – is capable. It's not like he's just a gimmicky right. guy. He's clearly capable of doing these things. So it, I don't know. It seems like they just want to. They want to give both guys a shot, and then whoever has the hot hand, they're going to ride. That's what it seems like. But it, I, it, I, even I just, last week, know. they didn't go the same way. Like the first game, they were doing every like, what, two series, and they rotate out. It didn't obviously didn't happen that way last week. So Brewer came in, established himself that he was going to have a good game, and they rode him, rode him to the end. So I mean, it very well could happen again. And if whether it's McClendon or whether it's Brewer. They're going to stick with the high hand, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I don't think it was because Brewer came in and had a good game. I think they rotated quarterbacks in the first game because it was Abilene Christian. Mm-hmm. They played a FBS team last week and wanted – in the first week they wanted McClendon to get reps against in a college game. And then against an actual FBS team last week, they said, all right, Brewer's a guy, here we go, this is, this is your game this week. And they'll do it again. I don't think we'll see McClendon unless he's needed – in an injury situation again, okay. or garbage time. Well, this could very Hopefully. well be the week we see that. Hopefully, true. Well, I, just, I mean, they need to establish that. It's time. Just from a from a Vegas point of view, you would think whenever you lose your starting, you, you, uh, excuse me, lose your starting quarterback and an All American corner in the same week, and you're going into da- to Baylor play, you, you would think the line would jump more than four points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I mean, that tells me. Something's going on. People are not really riding this Baylor bandwagon really hard, where you'd see that line really move even harder. So I'm, like I said, I, I to me this is a toss-up game. Well, I wonder too if this is a game people are staying away from because of that. Um, you know, if Duke was going in with what it had, I feel like it'd be more established. People would maybe clearly pick Duke. But I wonder with the game being in Waco and then out, people just to some degree are staying away from this game overall as a whole. I'm just kind of curious, maybe. It very well could be. Yeah, the game being at McLean Stadium makes a difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, real quickly, we're going to do a little halftime thing. We're going to pick, pick uh, the oh, game. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, pick the game. Uh, Kendall, who do you think wins this game? Well, man, I, the, to me, this this one's tough to pick because, like I said, I think it's a coin toss game. I, what was the spread? I, well, right now it's six. Um, I, I, Baylor I'm, minus six or Duke yeah, minus six? Baylor, Baylor, Baylor minus by six. six, yeah. That I'm, surprises me a little bit. To me, I, I don't know if they'll cover the spread. I mean, I think Baylor can pull this game out, but I I just don't see them pulling away from Duke. I, I just don't see it happening. I think Duke can ugly the game up enough to, to keep it a, a close ball game. But I I really, really, really want Baylor to win this game because I think it's really important for the conference. So I, I'm, I'm riding Baylor to win this game. I got six and a half on mine in front of me, so I don't – you know, I – Six and a half, six is almost the same thing. I don't know. I don't know if they can win this thing by a touchdown. I really don't. I that, that's my personal opinion. I think if Baylor wins, 
it ain't by a touchdown. I think they probably went by like a field goal or, you know, like 30, I don't know, 31 to 30 or something, like some weird thing. I, don't, I just don't see them winning. I could be wrong. I don't know. We'll see. Colin, what do you think on this one? I'm going to take Duke on this one to win straight up. I agree. I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think Duke probably wins it. I just, but if Baylor does, I just don't see any way they cover the spread. It's, huge, it's a huge game for Baylor. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Season. I hope they do. And and you know, and again, if they can win and Kansas can win, it still sets up a big matchup next weekend for that one. So you know, we'll see. I don't know because I mean, what do we really know about Baylor either at this point, guys? I mean, I know we don't. We know kind of uh, Kansas and what they are and what they're not. But what do we really know about Baylor? After you know? last season, the UTSA game tells us more about Baylor this year than it would have if they hadn't done what they did last season, like losing to Liberty. Mm-hmm. So the UTSA actually does mean something for Baylor this year, but it's still not enough. Yeah, and but UTSA is still so bad, too, which we'll True. prove again here in a little bit. Uh, real quick, uh, halftime stuff, I wanted to get to some stats. Uh, just factored real quickly things I think are interesting for the league because we're in the middle point of the previews real quickly. Uh, Oklahoma will put its, it put its nation-leading 16-game true road win streak on the line this week when it goes to Ames. Uh, if you're not understanding that, meaning they have not lost a road game in, in their last 16 games, true road game in the last 16 games. Uh, that goes back to 2014 when they lost to TCU in Fort Worth. That's the last time they lost on the road. Um Let's see here. Where's the next one? Um, the, the Oklahoma State ranked Oklahoma State ranks fourth nationally in tackles for loss with an average of 11.0. Oklahoma and West Virginia are tied for seventh nationally with 10.5. TCU is 23rd with eight. Uh, wow. Four, yeah, there's some interesting ones defensively here, guys. 40% of the Big 12 teams are among the top 25 in autonomy conferences, meaning automatic qualifiers, P5s, uh, conferences, and, and fewest points allowed per game. Uh, again, I'll say that again. 40% of the Big 12 teams are among the top 25 and fewest points allowed per game. Nine, Number nine in the country, TCU with nine and a half. Iowa State comes in at 19 with 13. Uh, Oklahoma State comes in at 22nd with 15 per game. And 23rd is West Virginia with 15 and a half. So you got a pretty, you know, pretty good section there of teams doing all right. Um, let's see, where's the next one? The Sooners and Cowboys are tied for eighth in the country in sacks, averaging four. Sacks average, averaging four a game with the Frogs at 19th in the country, averaging three and a half. <laughs> in 2017, OU averaged 1.86 sacks, while LSU, OSU registered only 2.31. So that gives you an idea. Already you're seeing a difference in what these defenses, you know, the defensive approaches of these teams that have completely changed over one season to somewhat, some degree with the same personnel to some degree. Now, obviously, there's been some eight-bat players on both, but, uh, you know, that, that's a little bit of that. Uh, let's see. There was one more I wanted to do. Where is it? Also, da, 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 da. Uh, I guess uh, I guess that's about all of that really matters. Um, to, oh, here it is. I'm sorry, I forgot. Last one. Big 12 quarterbacks have picked up both of the season's Walter Camp National Offensive Players of the Week awards. Kyler Murray, Oklahoma, captured it in Week Two, following Will, Will Greer last week in Week which would have been Week One, obviously. Uh, Murray accounted for five touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. Uh, let's see. That's all it said for that. It didn't give me Greer stats for some reason. Greer had five touchdowns in week one. Okay, so yeah, fifty-seven passing yards. So, there you go. That's just some interesting things around the country that the Big Twelve is doing. Thought you guys might want to know. So we rolled into that. And again, I I think the defensive stats are kind of impressive. I know again the competition, but it's just we don't ever get any pub defensively. So I think that's interesting. True. All right, rolling back to the last half of the previews here. We got the Houston Cougars and the Texas Tech Red Raiders be coming on it. Again, this is Fox in their weird-ass time slots. 315, 
uh, p.m. Central Time, so 4.15 for you West Virginia folks if you're wanting to watch this game. Uh, this one here I think is very interesting because I want to see – you know, we've, to me, we've had two different samples of Tech. We've had the Tech that played Ole Miss, and then we have the Tech that went out and dominated Lamar. And, again, I know Lamar's not a good opponent, but what they did last week is not easy to do to anybody. 37 to nothing, you know, all the yards they put up. Bowman looked a lot better than he did in relief in week one going against Ole Miss, so I find that interesting. I, I kind of, again, we have kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing a little bit with Tech, and I'm kind of curious to see what we got. To me, I saw improvement in that game. Again, even though it was Lamar, even though it was 77 to nothing, I still saw improvement in that game from the team. Made me feel a little bit better about him this week. FBI has him at 76% versus 23%. Houston, guys, is just not very good. Um, I don't know about that. Well, I mean, okay, in <laughs> in in relative terms to what to where they are in the country, I, I mean, like they're not Michigan or Oklahoma or, I mean, like that. Blue blood. Sorry, I probably should have said that clear. They're not very good for in terms of like they're not going to roll out. They're not like a, a really good top twenty five team, top ten team. Um, they're capable, but I don't. I just don't. They don't impress me much at all. Um, I still think they're kind of living a little bit off what Herman did there in name. I don't think – now, obviously, they have Oliver there, who's really good, really good player. I think he kind of brings them up on the national radar a little bit. But in terms of Tech beat this team last year, could they do it again? By all means, yes, they could. Uh, again, FBI favors this game quite a bit to Tech side, three-quarters percent basically to Tech. So uh, just a few things, you know, points per game, Houston's putting up 45, Tech's putting up 52. Again, looking at the competition, you know, that's something you got to factor into this too. Um, now – Obviously, Tex jumps up 77, you know, after the 77 points they put up last week. It probably has a lot to do with that. Uh, points per game, Tex putting up, I'm sorry, points allowed per game. Tex giving up 23.5 to Houston's 22.5. And obviously, I think Tex faced the best offense of the two with uh, Ole Miss. So I think that's to be factored into it a little bit too. So, um, you know, from what we've seen at Tech the two weeks, what do we what do we know about them? And is there anything we know about them? Is there still stuff they feel like they got to prove? You know, what are we looking for from them in this game? Well, I mean, I, I want to see how well Tech runs the ball. Um, you know, I the, the backup quarterback was Bowman, I think, right? Mm-hmm. He, he he played really well last week against Lamar, absolutely. But you know, this Houston is definitely going to be better than Lamar. So but I, I'm anxious to see how well they can run the football. Like I said, try try to uh, um, get into third and manageable downs, take a little bit of pressure off of him, some play action, do, do different things like that to kind of help him out a little bit. Um, you know, th- this. Oliver is going to be a wrecking ball in the middle. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see how well they block him up front. Because, I mean, uh, for people that may not know, there's a good chance he's going to be what, a top the five first, pick. He might, he be, might the be the first, first one. I mean, taken, yeah. the, the kid's insanely good. So, you know, he, so when you're watching this game, you see a guy in the middle just destroying people. That's who he is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I'm anxious to see how well they block him. And also, you know, can they be consistent? They, they put, they've made an emphasis on running the football, which we said for years they need to do. So I'm kind of anxious to see how well they do that in this game. Um, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, Texas Tech, I, I just want to see a little bit more from them offensively. You know, the, the one game against Ole Miss, they didn't look all that great. And then Lamar, they look like, you know, they could set the world on fire. But, you know, the, the truth probably somewhere in the middle. So I'm kind of curious how well they come out and play in this game here. So um, And then as far as defensively, um, I, I just want to see improvements again. Um, I, I feel like Houston can score some points. Um, I think they've been averaging, like, what, 40-something points a game? 45, 45. Yeah. And, and they, they played decent. They played Rice and they played Arizona, mm-hmm. um, which are not necessarily 
big, uh, you know, big. Well, and and someone's completely screwed up Arizona's offense already. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what the hell he's doing over there with that quarterback, but they're nowhere near what they should be offensively. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I feel like you know they're they're going to be able. Houston will be able to move the ball, and they are going to score some points. Um, but you know, you, you just want to see them play solid, not give up big plays. Um, you know, things like that. that. That's what I would like to see in this ball game um, going forward. So I, it, to me, this is, this is going to be a fun ball game to watch. I think. The biggest point to me, I think Tech is gonna Tech is gonna have to be Tech. You cannot with Tech's offensive line woes that they've had year in year out. You're not gonna be able to run the ball up the middle unless you spread the defense out. So they're gonna have to line up, throw some screens on the edge, and throw some verts down the sideline, and get the defense, get Houston's defense off balance to be able to run the football. Which is, as we've all said for years, Tech has to run the football. You can't just go out there and throw it 60 times a game. But I, that is the biggest thing to me is they're going to have to stretch the edge and use the speed that they have over Houston. Houston's defense has been fantastic, especially last week. Like the part of it was someone, someone just ruined Khalil Herbert so far. Mm-hmm. But to still be able to take that offense with a Heisman contender and blank them through two and a half quarters, three quarters was crazy. And I think they're going to be able to. I think Houston's defense is going to be the factor in this game. I'm not picking them to win because of the defense, but Texas Tech is going to have an issue. Yeah, and, you know, I I think Tech's offensive line, you know, being a a big, strong offensive line like they tend to have will have some decent success in this game. What I'm interested to see is – you know, if you guys remember back to media day, the one thing I thought was the the smartest because I kind of agreed with it was what Kingsbury was talking about, how people are going to start bringing people back towards the middle, you know, bringing tight ends and fullbacks. You're going to start seeing that used more because of the defenses the Big 12 has been throwing out there. I would be curious to see if they try some of that in this game because you're going to have some you're going to have to have something to check all over. He's going to break through your offensive line several times in this game. They need something to, some a fullback if they have one on the roster that's, you know, they feel like is up to the task. Hit him in the mouth. Do yep. something because he can't – you can't really run away from him. You can't really run to the opposite side of him. One, he lines up all over the place. I mean, he's technically a three technique, but from down to down, he may be completely left. He may be completely right. He may be right down the middle. You never know what he's going to do, but he's technically a three technique. Um, you know, I, you, you almost can't game plan just to assume we're going to run left and run – so you're going to have to do this. You're going to have something to check you in the backfield. The only other solution – is in the passing game to get the ball out quickly, and that is what Tech does has traditionally done so well. So maybe they can do that. Uh, to me, he's going to wreak some havoc for them, and they're going to have to. This game's going to come down to, in my opinion, how they deal with him. Because if they let him do whatever he does, yes, he will be in their backfield enough during this game to cause problems for them throughout. Especially if they get into third and long. If they get into third and longs, he's going to have a field day. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. get ready. He's going to be a damn highlight film if they get into third and longs a lot. I mean, it's just going to happen. So. That, they're going to have to deal with him. He is that impactful of a player that they're going to have to figure to solve that puzzle for him. Um, I was reading an article on him preseason, and the coincidentally, the team he thought and the, the formula he thought for stopping him the most, he pointed to what Tulsa did to him last year, and this was from Oliver himself, basically chop-blocking him with fullbacks and tight ends yep. and extra people in the backfield, and that's kind of what you're going to have to do, I think, because they don't have – you know their best, guard, their, best, their best offensive lineman is a tackle – 
in Jack, he's not going to face Oliver very much in this game. He's just not. He's just not. I expect Oliver to kind of pick on the center and the guard play here and really just try to splice them in the gap. So that's what they're going to have to figure out. And then once you solve that puzzle, you do have to deal with what's been a decent secondary for, for Houston to some degree. So they're going to have to figure that out too. So um, very interesting. I don't. I just haven't been a fa- fan of Major Applewhite since he took this team over. Um, I don't think he's been a great coach for them. I think he's a great def- offensive coordinator. He's had some success there, but he just hasn't impressed me with what he's done with Houston. Now, granted, they haven't had the talent and the hype that they had since Herman left, but um, I think ultimately takes a little bit better and take wins this game. But I think like last year, it's going to be another fight for them, another close game when it's all said and done. Interesting to me, I don't know, I, I can't say that I've ever seen this before. And out of all these previews we've ever done over the last three seasons, I can't ever recall this situation Excuse me. FBI is favoring Houston to win this. Like I said, seventy-six point six percent to twenty-three point four. The spread on this is one. Like I, that's what I, is that what you got is one? Oh, I, I used to one and a half. Okay, so like yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where a team was so favored, but the line was only one point. Like to me, that's weird. I don't, I don't know. That just feels really odd to me. Like this is one time. Now FBI in, in Vegas don't always agree. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of times they differ, but to me that's just odd. I don't think I've ever seen. And and seventy six percent isn't overwhelming, but that's a pretty clear favorite to win the game in this situation. But there's only a one point favorite from Vegas. That's I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I know it's kind of a nerdy thing, but it's just interesting to me. FBI and Vegas don't always agree. But if you have three quarters of if you have FBI picking Houston have three quarters of the percent to chance to win, generally you would expect it to be around seven points or seven to ten. Well, you think it'd be a lot more than this one? I mean, even three and a half to four. You know, even the field goal game, I would expect. Yeah. But this is one point. That's just weird to me. I've no, I, out of all the previews we've ever done, I don't think I can ever recall that. So, um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think uh, you know. King, the quarterback for Houston, they're definitely going to have to continue with him. I am interested to see what – this isn't an offensive juggernaut by any means. I mean, they've done well so far. But, I mean, I think when all shakes out, if they were to you know face a Power 5 schedule, I don't think they'd quite be what they have been offensively. Uh, but they're good. They're a good team offensively. Good enough, you know, efficient enough. So I, I think we will find out a little bit more about Tech's defense this week. All said and done, I still don't know that we know that much about them. <laughs> I, I'm curious to see. It may still be three or four weeks before we really understand what Tech is. So, And I think that was a little bit of the case last year, if mm-hmm. we remember right. We thought they were really poor. They turned out to do really well. They shocked us, and then they faded in the end. So, uh, All right, let's roll on to the next. Uh, again, that one's at 3.15 Central Time on Fox. Six. Oh, I'm sorry. Who, do, who wants to win the game? <laughs> uh, I have Tech close. I, I'm the same way. I, I think it's the field goal ball game. I'll take Tech also. I'm going to say it gets a little bit out of hand offensively. I don't know, out of hand, but I think it's probably like 41 38 or something like that. I just, I don't know. So, oh, yeah. Or semi shootout. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like Big 12 legendary, but I think it's, you know, I think it's in the, I think one team hits 40 points. So, all right, let's roll on to the next one UTSA and Kansas State. Now, this is a get well game for Kansas State. Uh, UTSA is terrible. Better be. Yeah, they, well, they need it. Should be. Um, yeah, FBI favors Kansas State in this one, 91%, almost 90, basically 92%. They are a three-touchdown favorite, gentlemen. Now, the first question I have is, do you feel like Kansas State, even against UTSA, should be a three-touchdown favorite after what we've seen so no. far this year? I, personally, I think they should be because I think UTSA is trash. Well, I they mean, are bad, why. but, I mean, I don't know. The uh, the offensive woes we've seen from Kansas State in two games, guys, and the first team they played wasn't very good either. Who was it they played? South Dakota. Dakota. Is South Dakota it, State? South Dakota? No, South Dakota. 
Are you coming more from the fact that is it going to be that hard for Kansas State to score three touchdowns? Yeah, overall? I just think in general they've had some <laughs> offensive touchdown hmm. woes. I don't know, you know, offensive woes. I, you know, they should. I mean, you know, but I mean, do you, and here's the thing: if they do, do you guys feel like it's twenty-four to, t- to three? I mean, is that how this game goes? I mean, that's that's a Bill Snyder blowout. If we've seen one, is twenty-four to three. So. Yeah. And what did I, UTSA put up last week in points? Like Twenty against 20 Baylor. Score. Twenty against Baylor. So. Yeah, but I mean, how much better do we think Kansas State is? I know they're better defensively. Yeah, I know they're better defensively, and and their their personnel's better. But I mean, I don't know that they're. I, I'm not convinced their defense is going to set the world on fire by any means either. So I don't know. I just I don't know. I just the last two weeks have really brought a lot of doubt to me about this team. I agree. Um, you asked if Kansas State should be a three touchdown favorite. They should be. Yes, but against what they've done, no, I don't. I'm surprised they are. I just it just feels like a lot for what we've seen from yes. this team, and not that they can't. I fully think they're capable of beating this team by three touchdowns. Don't get me wrong. I just it just seems, just seems odd to me, given what we've seen. Um, what does Kansas State need to establish? I mean, what are we what are we still learning about this team? What do we not know yet about this team? Well, I'll tell you what they better establish is the run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From there, once that's established, they they've got to figure out a way to start doing something with the passing game because their their passing game has been non-existent in the well, first two games. The quarterback situation. Yeah, that's exactly I mean, it. A, a what. Do we feel like we know who the best quarterback is? To me, it's Thompson. Thompson. I mean, I don't, yeah. To me, there's no doubt. But I mean, I, I, I have no idea what's going on there right now. I mean, it's to, if you watched the game last week, Thompson was to me the only viable option that gave you the chance to to put up points. Going back to that, because I don't know that we got into it on the review. Do we? Did we ever understood why they pulled him? No. Did Did you? Okay, I'll put it this way: watching that game because we were all watching it. We were going back and forth between that and I think the OU game at the time. Did we ever? Did we see something that we felt like, man, they just they need to pull him? Was there something that happened? I don't recall a moment where I thought, man, they need to pull him out of this game. Did I miss something? I was flipping back and forth between games, but I he was playing and they seemed to do decent. And then I flipped back like ten yeah, minutes later, he, he was out. Like, and he gets, crap? Yeah, he throws a pick right out. What's his name? He throws a pick off the bench. So um, I don't know, guys. I mean, do we not have any kind of inkling what's going on there? Maybe we need to bring somebody well, on next week from my, from Kansas State to figure out what the hell's going on. Well, I mean, to me, to me, the the most disappointing part of Kansas State so far this year has been their offensive line. I, I think we all yeah. kind of thought they, you know, not necessarily they were one of the top ones in the Big Twelve, but but they were solid, and, and they and, you know they they have some talent there, but. Even in the the uh, South Dakota, South Dakota, or South Dakota State, South Dakota, South Dakota, yeah, even in that game, they just didn't play very well up front, mm-hmm. you know, and and you kind of give them a little bit of a pass against Mississippi State because that defensive line is incredible, yeah, but um, but you know they just haven't played very well, so that's one thing that I I really need to see in this game is K State's offensive line shoring up things and being able to to block people and, and get the run game going because if they're not able to do that against UTSA. When they get in Big 12 play, they, they're going to be in big trouble. Well, that's why I ask about the 21-point thing, too. Like, I don't think we feel like they're capable, but like you just said, the offensive line hasn't played well. The whole team hasn't. Like, I, I mean, has there been a – they gave a, what, 24 to – I think it was like 24, it was 24. To, to South Dakota? I mean, come on now. If this is a good quality defense, they shouldn't be giving up 24 points to South Dakota. They just shouldn't. Um, that's why, to me, it was a little shocking. Now, I know UTSA is trash. I do. I know they're terrible. They – uh, there was a not too long ago period in the mid to early teens of the 2000, 2013, 14, 15, whatever. Those first few years, they were by far the worst program in the in the, in the uh, country. But, you know, I don't know that they're quite that bad yet. Or now, they're, to where I'd say they're the worst, but they're down there in the bottom. So they should be able to beat this team up pretty good. But, um, I mean, it, basically, I guess what it comes down to is if Oklahoma State – or if Oklahoma State, sorry, I was thinking too fast there. If Kansas State <coughs> – doesn't dominate this team in every facet of the game, is it time to start saying 
ring the bell, ring the alarm. There, there's, there's something wrong. Absolutely. I mean, landing egg, dang near landing egg against South Dakota, and then going up and not playing a complete game against what we've been saying is one of the worst teams in the country, if not the worst. There's an issue. Yeah, I mean, I think after I think after three ga- three games, if they continually go out and do this, I think it's fine. And again, Mississippi State they get a little bit of pass, but they got absolutely dominated in that game, guys. Mm-hmm. They were in it early for a little bit, and then what second quarter, mid second quarter, it was over. I, I don't. Mean, they trashed them. I don't agree with giving Kansas State a pass on that game at all. I mean, in terms of, I don't necessarily know that that's what they are. Like, I don't know. Like, we need to see. We'll know a little bit more, but I don't. You know, they. I think what I'm saying is a lot of people thought. Well, I see a lot of people. There were people who thought Kansas State was a contender in this league this year. So did I. That game, I think we reset their. I think we reset their bar after that game. We kind of know they're definitely not that. Mm. So in that degree, I give them a pass. They're clearly not a national contender. But if they come out here and then what we had in the South Dakota game, I think you're gonna you're gonna start to evaluate this team as they're just not very good. It's gonna be a bad year. And I, you know, I had them at. I think eight in my power rankings last week. I mean, I don't see them getting off the floor if this if this happens in this game. I mean, what what kind of performance? I guess is what I'm getting at. Do we need to see from them? What what is a resounding victory for them that we could say, okay, things are okay, they're getting better versus it's bad. You know, dumpster fire time. Uh, I could see it. Let's say they go out and win like 35 to 10, rush run for about you know 240 something like that, and throw the ball for around 200 yards. That that'd be a pretty good game for me for Kansas State. Everybody yeah, I agree with that. I, I'd agree with that. I also want to see him defensively shut someone down. Cause, yeah, because you know they, they should. Because if they don't they, have a defense this year, they're really in trouble. Right. Uh, you know that, <laughs> that's the one thing that. The, well, I mean, if you look in the past, the two things that have always kept K State, even when they had a chance to win the league, was two things: they played solid defense and they ran the football. Mm-hmm. If yeah, special teams. If they're right. not doing those two things, they're they're in trouble because that's mm-hmm. that's what they do. That's what they're known for, and that's what they're built to do. And that's the other thing too: their special teams has not been very good this year either. Uh, not you know, not nothing sticks out at you where you yeah. just go, oh my God, they're really good there. If if Kansas State doesn't score over thirty and hold them to less than ten, that's what I'm looking for is thirty and ten. Okay, I I, I just I I don't know. I'm worried about them. I, here's the thing too, and the, the reason I'm getting at this is the long term question. We asked this question I think after week one or going to the season is Bill Snyder maybe running out a little bit of that magic. If we start to see that with this team, is there is does it start getting loud? It's time for him to go. I don't know if it can because they just extended his contract. Contracts don't mean crap anymore. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. When I was on that radio show the other day, he asked me if could we be getting into one of those situations like the Joe Paterno without all the legal stuff, mm-hmm. but into the he Joe just Paterno doesn't thing, know where they go. just hang on too long. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you know, I, I think. Snyder has a couple of years left, but he's obviously getting rapidly approaching the end of his career, and it, you, you hope that's not the case because mm-hmm. the guy's been great for his college football, but he, he definitely could be getting to that area where yeah. he just held on too long. I'll be honest. In my personal opinion, he's held on a little too long. That's just my personal opinion. I, I think he – I think it's time. I, I just I, – I, I, and I don't, I don't know this because I'm not in the program, but to me I, I wonder every day how much he's becoming a detriment versus – you know what he's actually doing for the program because him just being there in spirit people are saying oh yeah that's bill snyder go play for bill snyder but let's be honest i think we kind of got the inkling from people we talked to this offseason he's not as super involved in this team nor was paterno towards the end of paterno he was in the booth and wasn't you know the just i i kind of think we're reaching that that sunset to him and it's you know it's probably about time i if they have a terrible year i feel like he's cognitive enough he knows it's time to go 
like things aren't happening right, you know, because they're always at least competitive guys. Even when they're a fringe bowl team, they're competitive. And so far they haven't, they weren't competitive until the fourth quarter of the first game. Mm-hmm. And then this last one, they just got destroyed. So, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that's, I think that's the greater question we may be trying to answer with this team before it's all said and done this year. Um, rolling on to USC and Texas. This one. Picks again. Sorry, picked. Did we not pick the game? I thought we did. Did no. everybody say game? I thought everybody gave a score. No. I think it's fairly obvious. Everybody's like, picking Kansas State. We won. Okay. Uh, USC and Texas. So this is the last one we have before we get to our game of the week, guys. So, you know, kind of give a good performance here on this one. <laughs> uh, what you know? What do we? What do we really think about this group? I mean, USC comes in 20, 22nd ranked in the country. I don't personally think they're a top 25 team. Does anybody else let's establish that? No. no. Anybody feel like they're a top 25 team? Okay. So, we, okay, so how, much, how much difference? So let's take that number 22 away from, from the, the thing to where they're both just not ranked. How much difference do we feel like there are on these teams? It kind of feels like they're somewhat on the same path and equal. Or do you feel like there is a clear better team in this, in this situation? Personally, I feel like they're pretty dang equal. Um, some, some of the question marks they have. Is that are, easy to say based on last year's game? Um, I mean, I know the quarterbacks changed and all that and stuff, but did we kind of see that last year that they are kind of equal? And is that kind of fair to say going into this year? To me, last year does not weigh on this year, honestly. Well, I mean, there, in terms of there's it, a lot of personnel that are the same. I mean, you're losing to Darnold, but I mean, other than that, and Darnold wasn't Darnold last year in that game, so. I don't know. I'm just curious. Did we, did we kind of learn that last year that these two teams are kind of equal? I, well, I mean, to me, they they look like mirror image of each other. Some of the issues they have to me are are pretty pretty similar. Offensive lines are both bad. Yeah, offensive line. The quarterbacks, you know, they're they're still iffy. You know, mm-hmm. you, have, you have the really young kid out there at USC playing uh, Daniels, and then Ellinger, Ellinger, sorry, yeah, uh, RG, you know, RG, RG. Uh, you know, he he's one of those things where we just what just happened. We just don't really know. Um, what, what you know? What's going to happen with him? You know, sometimes he makes some some poor decisions. Um, I, the the main thing I want to see, I just want to see Texas come out and play a full football game with energy for four quarters because I feel like they they haven't done that yet. I feel like they've played solid in the first half of both football games, and the second half they've came out flat. You know, with Tulsa, they they should they should have put their foot on their throat and stomped mm-hmm. on it, and they didn't do that. In Maryland game, they had momentum going to halftime, and then after half, you know, Maryland had the momentum, which that shouldn't have happened. So mm-hmm. I'm I just want to see Texas come out and play. Four quarters of inspired football and see what happens because I haven't seen that yet. And I, I have to admit, guys, the Tulsa game worries me. I oh yeah, I don't want to knee jerk. I try not to do that, um, and I try to be fair to Texas because you know every year there's that hope that they're turning the corner to whatever that degree that looks like. I'm not going to use the word they're back because they're not going to be back for at least a few more years. But in terms of they're turning the corner, we're seeing improvement. We want to kind of see that. I think there's that hope every year for the league as a whole. That we, you know, the league could use another flagship like that that's up there in front and center. So there is that hope to some degree. And after the after the Maryland game, we saw all the issues I felt like we talked about in the preview, the problems that they were having. So okay, we can we can deal with that. They're going to learn from that. The Tulsa game completely changes that for me because Tulsa is not very good, guys. And, and just in the terms of the, not only are they not very good. They don't have remotely ballpark the athletes that Texas does. Not even close. I mean, way big discrepancy here. Um, so, for me, that worries me. And, 
And, you know, some of it I think is coaching that scares me. I think I think the realization that coaching is somewhat the problem on this team. Um, I don't think that's I don't think we're too early to say that anymore. I think, you know, we're we're a, se- a full season and a couple games into it. I think it's clear to say that there is some coaching problems there. Not that they can't be fixed or changed or whatever the case may be, but I think there's some of that going on. Scheme, whatever have you. Um, the other problem is the running game hasn't been established, and we all worried about that. We all said what – what you know, there have been some highlights for some of them, but overall, there's just again not a running game situation here that scares you. Offensive line is in trouble. We said that going into the season. Now I will say this: we were a little more positive on the offensive line of the season because of what they brought back. It was an experienced offensive line, by far the most experienced they've had in several years there, going back to maybe the Mac Brown era and his time there. So you know, all that added up to we we thought they could do this well. They they did this badly, and then Tulsa guys to go out. The offense scares me because defensively, we all think they're going to be okay to some degree. They're, I think it's clear, and we established that going into the year, they are not going to be last year's defense. They're just not. It's just not possible. They're not going to do that. They're not going to put up the numbers. They're not going to play as well as last year's defense. That's fine. They're competitive. Last year's defense was really good. So as long as they're somewhere in that ballpark, they're going to be fine. I think they'll be okay there. But offensively, guys, I'm really worried about this team. To, to only put up 21 points against Tulsa. Again, who's a defensively improved team, if you follow the team. But what does that mean? That means they're not giving up 70 every game. That's it. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just To me, is that crazy? Do you guys feel like I'm crazy? The Tulsa game scares me. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's still the same old problem with Texas offense. It's the inconsistencies. We've talked about it for, what, two, two full seasons now. Mm-hmm. So, eventually they are going to have to do something. And – like I like well, I guess we've all been seeing it. They've it's gotta start with the running game. That they've tried to do the passing game. It's not there. They just don't have the quarterback to lean on that right, right now. They exactly. can't lean on a passing game. They just don't have the quarterback to do it. And they also can't you know, it seems like they've continuously gone to the run game, the quarterback run game to try to do something with the run game. Mm-hmm. That leads to Ellinger getting hurt. Mm-hmm. They they've got to find a way to establish some kind of consistent running game, and and maybe they can't do it this year. Maybe that this just is what the team is. If that's the case, it's probably not another good season for Texas. It's probably six and six, seven and five at best. I, I right now I have a hard time getting them to seven and five. Um, do you guys feel like at what point do you feel like if they okay if they if it's clear that the offense is what it is and it's not really changing a whole lot this year. At what point do you bring in the freshman and start for the future? Well, I'd be starting Ingram right now at running back if it was me. But <laughs> well, I mean, I'm more. I'm mainly meaning a quarterback. Um, at what point is it time to give him the Ellinger project? Because he's not. He's not a Stan Bradford, a Colt McCoy, a you know, on and on and on down the line. Baker Mayfield that can lay back there and win you games. He's not a guy that's going to go back there and do it with his arm. He needs a team and a system around him and a run game around him. So if it's clear that they're not that. And there's a good chance they're not going to be that in the next year or two because it's not like they're suddenly going to recruit an offensive line. At what point is it time to start looking for the future? And, and does Herman need to do that and maybe to even possibly save his job to where in a few years he's still there? Yeah, it may be pretty soon, actually, because you're going to get to the point where if you wait too long, the season's already mm-hmm. could potentially be already be lost. And you've lost a season that you could have been doing this. Right. And, you know, with the redshirt rules – Maybe you play him. Yeah, you do have a couple of games to play them. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's after the USC game. If this if this game doesn't turn out positive for him, maybe they do go a different route. I don't know, does anybody disagree with that? Maybe at some point here soon, it's time to pull the plug on this this project. No, considering you have two talented freshman quarterback, we think talented freshman quarterback waiting in the wings. Well, what is, what is it? What is, 
everybody says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing yeah. over and over again, expecting different results. That's, so, what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. They're yeah, beating at some point you the have to try here. something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and now again, I don't. You don't want to get him hurt. So if you don't think he can protect protect the kid, maybe that's that's something to look at. But at some point, I just feel like you're you're dry, again. What you're saying, you're doing the same thing out there every week, and nothing's happening. You've got to bring a playmaker into the situation because I don't think the run, even if you play Ingram a lot at running back, I don't think it's just going to suddenly get better. Um, I think they'll do okay, but they're not just going to suddenly start being. A, you're not going to be able to dominate a game on the ground all of a sudden. This right. team is just not going to do that this year. Period. I don't care if it is Ellinger and him together. You're just not going to do that. So at some point, I feel like you've got to put the ball in somebody else's hands and let them make plays for you. Otherwise, then you're stuck at probably like four and eight this year. I mean, it could get that bad because you're not outscoring any of these Big Twelve teams, not the good ones. Right, and the you defense know, isn't the same as last year. Let's face right? it; they could probably beat Kansas State right now. They could probably possibly beat Iowa State right now. They could probably beat Baylor and Kansas. That's four, okay? Who else are you going to go beat right now that you have confidence in in this league? I don't have confidence in them beating, and I'm not sure they can beat Iowa State right now, especially with a healthy uh, camp. Yeah, especially with a healthy camp. I don't think they could beat Iowa State right now. So, I mean, that's not acceptable, guys, in Texas. I mean, I guess what I'm getting at. The the drum beats are going to start getting loud if you roll out a four and eight, five and seven season. Sorry. I parallel right now. The way the season started, I parallel Kansas State and Texas, which is really, really kind of sad to say as far as Texas goes with the amount of talent they have and the fact that they're a blue blood. But they've underwhelmed, and they've done the same thing, and they've underwhelmed in two weeks now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, they did get the win against Tulsa, but it was not in a spectacular fashion. And Tulsa, they almost let Tulsa well, came back. And they, they didn't get the win. They were given the yes, win. Yes, that's true. Uh, I mean, te- honestly, guys, no joke. If Tulsa has a kicker, they're 0-2 right yes, now. It's that's literally true. that simple. And yeah. I – I'm just not sold on Texas and what you were saying earlier. I mean, what what Colin said, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again, and they are not changing anything, and it hasn't worked for them. And it frustrates us, too. It's not just us not being a Texas fan. Yeah. Just, we want to see this team do well. They need to do well. They need to do well for the teams in the league. I wish all 10 teams in the league won 10 games every year. Yeah, but. it'd be great if it would work out that way. But we want to see Texas do well, and it's, just, it's frustrating for us, too. I can only imagine what the fans are going through. Right. Well, I, I, to me, these next two games are really important on which direction they go, especially the quarterback position. With USC game coming up, I, I know. I mean, USC is not the, the big name. You know, they have the big name. Maybe their talent's not as good, but if they struggle there, you know, if he struggles there as well, that's a red flag to me. And then they have TCU coming out uh, the week after that. So, I mean, t- to me, these next two weeks to me are make or break. Whether you decide to go ahead and make a change with the quarterback or something like that. So, I, I, to me, if I, if I'm a Texas fan watching this. These next two games are very important to see what where direction we end up going after that because I I feel like that's after the TCU game is where the rumblings are going to get like really loud. Mm-hmm. You know, that, well, and if you follow that up and roll into Dallas and get waxed, then it's really going to. I mean, one thing you can't do at Texas is lose to Oklahoma a lot and survive. Oh, yeah. It just ain't going to happen. He Kendall brought up a good point. Um, USC game, it's a big game. It's a more key game. It's a seven o'clock game. It doesn't matter in the long run. Uh, non-con doesn't get you anywhere except for extra wins for bowl games. And if you roll out there in the USC game and try a new quarterback and you see some good things, then you don't lose anything rolling into the conference schedule where you're really looking to get wins. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm getting at They need to establish this quickly. And, I mean, it's time to do that. And here's the thing. I'm kind of hoping and thinking it's USC. It's got all that pop and circumstance even around two teams that aren't as good. I kind of feel like Texas – We'll show up for this, ready to go, fired up. I mean, if you can't get these players to rally around this game, what can you get them to rally around yeah. this year? So I feel like to some degree 
That alone, I think, keeps them in this game for most of it. I think they're there and they battle for most of it. And the fact that USC is just not overwhelmingly better than them, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, where are we if Texas wins this game, regardless? Is, is it, does it matter how? They just need to win, period? Yes. Does it matter how they win? No, I agree. It, it doesn't matter. They just got to win. They just need to survive this game and win. Doesn't just We win. don't care what just comes win, out baby. of it and how? Okay. That, that's fair. Um, so, FBI has Texas winning this 55% to 44. I mean, does it shock you that Texas is favored? Is it just because they're at home? I think a lot of it is yeah. they're at home. Yes. Yeah, I think that. And I also think when you look at USC as far as, um, you know, the quarterback was like, I think he's on like 17 or something, isn't he? I mean, like he's like <laughs> yeah. super, like he's super He literally young. should be a high school They're in the same right situation that Texas was last year, bringing out an right. experienced quarterback mm-hmm. on the road to a big a big environment. So Yeah, this would be his first road game, won't it? They've played both games at home, haven't they? I think. Uh, no, I Stanford was Stanford. Stanford. Oh, that's right. They did play. Okay, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's the big – that's the other thing is not scoring a touchdown last week against Stanford and then being at DKR. That's mm-hmm. the two things that ba- – Put the line in Texas. Favorite. Here's the thing about DKR though. Yes, it does hold basically a hundred thousand. They don't fill it. It's yeah, well, it's not the home field advantage. Some people it'll be act full like for it this is. game. Yeah, it'll be full, but it's not the home field advantage. They'll be loud early, but the sound doesn't stay down in there like it should be. So it's not this overwhelming. Now it is a, a lot of people. It's obviously overwhelming for that reason, and you're in Texas, but it's not this crazy home field advantage like some people think. So. Uh, that will be interesting to watch because if USC is able to get on top and take that crowd out of it early, Texas could be in trouble. All the the juice they may have had for this game, it may go away quickly. They need to, to at least be in this thing or keep the lead. So, well, uh, I, and, and USC's defense, I mean, their offense is sluggish. You know, they, they're young, they're mm-hmm. they're having trouble scoring, but their defense played pretty good. I mean, they only gave up yeah. seventeen at Stanford last. They're, last they're you know, good on the defensive line too, which yeah. could be a trouble problem for Texas. So, I mean, they're. This is to me is going to be a low scoring ball game. If you know, I oh, yeah. I, I take the under. Uh, yeah. well, I don't know what the under is, but I'd probably take the under. I, I feel like this is like a a seventeen ten ball yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't see this thing getting very high point wise. I, I say that, and then you know, in these kind of games, it usually goes the other way. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, this game I could very easily see this game for some reason being like forty one to thirty eight, and nobody knows why. <laughs> you know, it just it, that tends to happen in these kind of games. So, but Texas is good defensively. They're just not last year. I, I want to make that clear. We think they're a good solid defensive team you know they're just not what they were last year and that's okay they can still be a good team at that um any i don't know anything you guys could add to this to, to make them texas fans feel a little bit better you know i i, I don't know much, much else we just we can gotta say see about it, it. yeah oh, i yeah. mean it's uh, you know here's the thing if if they come out and win this game i think all's forgiven in the last two weeks to some degree. You know, mm-hmm. I think you still have those in the back of your head, those thoughts. But Texas fans can go to work Monday feeling good about themselves. The coaching staff can kind of show, hey, we're making progress. We just knocked off SC. Again, it looks better than it may really actually be. So I think all that could help them. So, again, if they can win this game, you know, the last two weeks is kind of washed away. People will forget about it as long as they can show progress and go on. And with as rough as the bottom of the top 25 has been, Texas wins this, they may get bumped to 25. They may get in the top 25 yeah. if they win this game. They very well could. I mean, uh, USC is 22, and I really don't – Twenty. I mean, I really don't see a wrong, They didn't receive a single vote in AP, did they? Mm. Texas didn't this week, no. No, they – yeah, but, I mean, it's Texas. <laughs> I mean, they suddenly could get ninety. Yeah, so, that's I mean, true. It's, it's Texas, and I, I mean, Florida State got that one way. last week. Ohio State's that Anything's way. Possible. There's just a few schools that it they can ride a pole quickly. They can go up it fast. So, um, you know, and Texas is one of them. So we'll see. Yeah, Florida State got one vote, and I still don't understand that no. crap. They need to fire that guy whoever he <laughs> is. Uh, all right, is that it before we roll into our game of the week, guys? Picks on this game. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. 
Oh, well, yeah. We No. Oh, no, we I mean, did put out the Against the Spread. Yeah, that's okay. Game, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Oh, we picked this game against the spread. Yeah, and okay. we, we already released it, so it doesn't matter. All right. Um, Jockstrap, you got anything you want to add before we get the hell out of here? Before we go into it, because you're not going to be having a mic for the uh, interview. <laughs> Nothing? You're good? Nope. All right, guys. We, uh, we're we going to roll into uh, our game of the week, our interview of the week with uh, TCU and Ohio State. And joining us will be Jeff from Frogscast TCU. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. There's no, th- no other business before I let people go. No, sir. Uh, all right. Then uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this interview. Here we go. All right, guys. Now we're going to dive into our game of the week. Obviously, that's uh, TCU and Ohio State this week, the big showdown in Texas. Uh, joining us and helping us out with that is Jeff from Frogcast TCU. Say hi, Jeff. Hello. How are you all doing? Pretty good, man. It's been a long time. You doing all right? I know, it's been a while, and I'm glad to be on with y'all. You'll do a great job covering the Big 12. Thank you, we appreciate that. It's probably our fault. Sometimes we forget to bring people back on sometimes. We have so many different shows and so many different teams we have to get in. It gets Sometimes it gets kind of a while before we bring people back. Oh, I understand. I understand. Uh, real quickly, can you tell everybody where they could find you, all your stuff, where they can follow you at? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at TheFrogCatsTCU. And you can like our Facebook page, and then I'm part of TCU 24-7. So if you go to hornfrogblitz.com, if you're part of the 24-7 network, you can come read our site. If you want to give us 9 bucks a month, you can post. Heck, yeah. That's not a bad deal at all. Um, I not di- a bad deal at all. I'm just curious, you know, uh, real quickly, the, the make sure that I'm right on this, because we got asked a question about it, and... Um, Melissa from over at Frogs of Wars kind of educated us a little bit on this, so I don't know how far off I am. But, um, you know, we got to ask the question, how many people would be there for TCU versus Ohio State? And I know it's been kind of a popular topic this week. Um, you know, I, I said probably something like 65-35 or 60-40 Ohio State fans. What do you think that ratio is going to be Saturday? You know, I think the frog fans are. I think the frogs are going to put about forty thousand fans in there. I know that's optimistic, but you know, I think if the game got closer and you know game day being there, and then finally just kind of absorbing the bitterness of the game being moved from a uh, home and home to a neutral side at Jerry World, I think finally the realization is, hey, this is a once in a decade game for mm-hmm. the frogs to be able to play a national power like Ohio State in our backyard in the same county as. So I think you're going to see a really strong representation from the Frogs. Hey, Jeff, I just had a quick question about game day. You know, it was announced today that Roman Reigns, the WWE entertainer, is going to be the guest picker. What were your thoughts on that? I know usually, uh, at least last year, it seems like with TCU, they wanted somebody tied to the school. And again, it's somebody, unless he's an alumnus that I'm not aware of, it's, again, not tied to him at all. You know, I think that's pretty dumb. I know I'm supposed <laughs> to be excited the game day's there. And Thank it, you. I am excited, but you've got LaDainian Tomlinson that lives in Fort Worth, who's an NFL first ballot Hall of Famer, who is at every single game. You, you've got Bob Schieffer, who, who uh, was on Faith the Nation for all those years, that mm-hmm. the journalism school's named after, that has a huge symposium there talking about politics. He's a, he's a brilliant guy. He's straight down the middle. You love Bob Schieffer. So if you wanted to go a non-traditional route, you could go for Bob Schieffer. Uh, there's lots of other routes that they could have gone, but they decided to get. If you're going to get a WWE, if you're going to get a professional wrestler, it should have been one of the Von Erich brothers or somebody from Texas, <laughs> yeah, and not some guy that played at Georgia Tech. That I've never, you know, I haven't watched professional wrestling since. When I was in seminary at TCU, we went to Monday Night Raw, and I won't <laughs> talk anymore about that. But you know, get get 
get something that the state of Texas can rally behind. I, I feel like this is a paid, paid advertisement to kind of prop a guy up. Yeah, and well, and that's what I've noticed too. They've kind of gone away. I was going to say that, Colin. They've kind of gone away from that, not entirely, but a lot in recent. I'd say towards the middle of the late last year, and then this year. And I don't know if it's just they feel like they're running out of stars from some of these schools. But TCU, you clearly had a couple right there that they've never even had on, to my knowledge. So yeah, I know. that that just wasn't real smart. I don't know. I thought, man, I don't know. It just wasn't very interesting to me either at all. But um, looking at this game, the first question I got. I got to looking uh, at some information and started to do some math real quick, and I've got roughly Ohio State's offensive line at about 6'6", 315. It's about what they average. Um, that's a pretty big offensive line. You know, I, I know – do you feel like the strength on strength for this game is going to be, uh, you know, TCU's offensive line or, you know, TCU's defensive line versus their offensive line? Is that probably the strength on strength matchup in this game? You know, TCU does have a strong uh, defensive line. Obviously, Ohio State has a huge offensive line. Uh, the one game where the the glaring loss of Ross Blacklock, who was a freshman All-American last year, freshman first-team All-Big 12, you know, Big 12 newcomer of the year on the defensive side of the ball, is, you know, he, he tore his Achilles uh, about a week and a half before the season started. So I would have loved to have had Big Ross at 330 lineup at nose guard. He was running a sub-540 at 330. Um, so I, I, there's clearly – I know. There's clearly going to be uh, – that's going to be the biggest challenge. But, I, you know, Ty Summers is going to play defensive end. LJ Collier is back at defensive end this week. Ben Banigou is obviously preseason Big 12 player of the year at defensive end. And I think, you know, Corey Bethley was a uh, – it's a sophomore. You know, he's about 300 pounds. So it really comes down to what guys like Big Joe Brodnick and uh, Trail Cooper – are able to do at the defensive line in order to uh, kind of fill that gap that, that Browse Blacklock has left there. So if if, if the, the Ohio State has their way at defensive line, on the offensive line against the Frogs D-line, that's going to cause some concern. I think if you flip it around, I actually am more I am actually more concerned because I think the defensive line is going to be able to hold their own mm-hmm. about the offensive line against uh, Ohio State's defensive line because I think that's the strength of their team is their defensive line. Yep. And the Frogs are rebuilding their offensive line. They really only had two guys that made real serious quality starts last year that returned. They put four guys into NFL camps, and they ran the ball really well last year. So that's where I think the biggest concern is in terms of strength on uh, growing edges, they would say. Mm-hmm. Well, switching over the offensive side of the ball, um, the first couple of games it seems like there's kind of been more of a, a running back by committee with, with TCU, and, and I'm not necessarily sure if that's more due to who you know like the level of competition they're playing. But going into this game, you know, typically you like to have your, your kind of bell cow type type back back there in, in a big game like this. You know, who can we expect to be that guy Saturday, or do they plan on going ahead and going with with a, a committee back there? I think you're going to see uh, Sonny Cumbie feed Darius Anderson as much as he's able in this game. He obviously had. A strong season last year that was cut short early in the Oklahoma game, in the first of the Oklahoma games. But he was the leading rusher for the Frogs. I think Darius Anderson's going to get between 14 and 18 carries. Excellent. And then they know how to use Shea Alana Lua out of the backfield. And he's going to, I think he's going to have to also be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think, uh, I think Darius Anderson is going to lead the team in rushing, or at least in carries. But, you know, Sean Robinson has been coached to essentially not use his legs, to stay in there and find that second and third read. I would not be surprised if he gets the green light or just tucks it and run on his own 
so that uh, he's able to extend drives and extend uh, a series with his legs because that's his greatest asset. He's got a cannon for an arm. You know, he knows how to play the game. But I think Sean Robinson is going to probably be the second leading rusher on this team this game. Jeff, that was my biggest question with Sean Robinson coming into this. Um, I've seen a lot of trash talk basically saying that TCU doesn't have a proven quarterback and that he will not be able to do anything against the Ohio State, Ohio State DBs. And what you just said about him being coached not to use his legs, I think is a detriment. But, I mean, Cumbie and Gary Patterson know what they're doing. Um, do you really think that he is going to be able to step in here and face his first true test and lead this team because that's what he's going to be able to do or need to do? You know, I'm not going to give you a definitive answer because that's an unknown. I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's just the most honest assessment that I have. He. He knows how to play on a big stage in high school, but this is nothing compared to, a, you know, playing at DeSoto High School because, you know, being able to face up against Ohio State and what Greg Schiano is going to be able to be able to put in front of him is going to be a challenge. Now, I think he's got a, he's got an arm. I think he knows how to run the ball. And when I say that he has been um, encouraged to find that second and third receiver rather than tuck it and run is just to break a habit. That habit served him well in high school to, to be able to extend drives with his legs but he's got to be able to find that guy 12 yards downfield because that can turn into a 40-yard play. So I I just don't know what we're going to see from Sean, and I don't mean that as a negative because this is just this is an opportunity for him, and I think he's going to be in a position to maximize that. He's got solid receivers. When you have, you know, obviously with Jalen Raker, I'm a big fan of Jalen Austin, who's a senior, Kevontae Turpin. I think he's going to be able to find men that are open in this game and be able to put the ball there. The, the question is, what does he do when uh, Bosa's little brother is staring him down and he's got to make a quick decision? Well, you know, when it comes to Robinson, too, I had a you know, I'm kind of curious what you think about this. To me, it seems like um, they would maybe be better served to do some of the older, I call it Texas Tech type stuff, where they throw it out to real quickly, bubble screens and stuff like that, and just let those receivers do what they do. Uh, you guys are so gifted at receiver. Do you feel like that's kind of a big advantage for you in this matchup or where maybe you can make most of your progress as that receiver? You know, I think the Frogs do have an advantage or at least a position of strength at wide receiver. You know, I mentioned those guys. I think they're really strong. Another name to kind of put in the back of your mind, don't be surprised if a guy like Darius Davis, who's a true freshman that had better speed than Turpin in high school, that's already returned a punt for a touchdown this year. Don't be surprised if they throw a couple of bubble screens to him just, just to see if he can shake loose because he's fast, he's got a bigger body than Turpin. He knows what he what to do when he gets the ball in his hands. So I, I do think that the Frogs are going to do their best to take advantage of the strength that they have at wide receiver. I also think you're just, you're, you're going to have to take the, uh, some shots in this game. You can't mm-hmm. methodically grind out you know consecutive third third down uh, conversions against Ohio State. So I expect them to throw it deep to Jalen Rager a couple of times. I expect them to try to sneak out Cervante Turpin on a wheel route after uh, maybe Rager clears things out and they're going to try to get the ball downfield. That is the advantage that Sean Robinson has that Kenny Hill doesn't, didn't have, which is the ability to air it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember that bowl game last year against Stanford. Rager took that up. I think it was a 96-yard touchdown run. And then you go back and look at the Big 12 title game. Rager caught, you know, caught a 40-yard-plus uh, touchdown that, that Kenny Hill threw it on a dime. Those are the only two classes I remember that Kenny Hill completed. That the ball was like 30 yards in the air. Uh, you know, he was a good quarterback. He could, you know, let him do a top-10 finish last year. But Sean Robinson can do that, and he's got the cannon. Uh, he's got the arm to be able to do that. So I expect them to try to get the ball deep this this game. 
going into this game, if, if there's one thing that you could say, you know, if, if TCU is able to do this, they can win the ball game. What, what would that one thing be? Uh, it's got to have something to do with turnovers. And when they get the turnover, be able to do something with it. Um, so that, that is, you know, forcing Haskins into a, a, a making a poor throw or being able to, you know, force a, force, a, force a fumble and be able to do something with that. You know, well, I remember back, you know, not to reference last year again, but I remember that Big 12 title game last year where Kyle Hicks fumbled and, you know, it was scoop and score from Oklahoma. I mean, that's just really hard to recover from. I know good teams can recover from that. But those are the kind of things that set the tone early. So I think if the Frogs are able to force a turnover and then maximize that, and then kind of one B of that is special teams. If, if Turpin can flip the field or, or maybe return a kick, that is something that I think is, uh, is going to is, is going to be needed to put the Frogs in a position to be able to pick up a, a quick score, not a cheap score, but a quick score, and then shorten the field with, with Turpin's ability to do that. He's the most exciting player in the Big 12 just in terms of when you know there's a punt, nobody goes to the bathroom. Nobody flips <laughs> channels because you know this guy is, is, is any time he gets the ball in his hands, it can get a five yard run or can get, get get moving with five yards. He can take it 65 yards. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I expect Turpin to be able to. Uh, they're going to need Turpin to do something in this game in order to uh, put themselves in a position to win. When it comes to Haskins, you know, he's 42 for 53, 546 yards. He's already accounted for nine touchdowns with one pick. Um, you know, again, against really soft competition, but he has done that. What do you see from him that concerns you? What makes him so effective? You know, because they've been putting up like ridiculous points. They're averaging 64 and a half a game. So what do you see that makes him make this offense go so well? Well, he's able to throw the ball in a way that JT Barrett could. JT Barrett was a great quarterback, obviously, was a winner, but he could not stretch the field. And, you know, it looks as if that most of their offensive production in terms of those, uh, what he's been able to do in the passing game is being able to stretch the field. And I don't, I don't mean to, to diminish that because it's going to be a massive challenge for the Frogs, but that's nothing new for a Big 12 secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, that is something that they are well versed in. Doesn't mean they're going to be able to stop it. But it's nothing new. It's not like they're playing Navy and have to prepare for the triple option. They just have to be on their best game against a quarterback that's not afraid to take shots down the field. But you have defensive backs that, since they were in 10th grade, have been playing against an offense like this. Now, clearly, uh, you know, don't quote me out of context here, Ohio State fans. This is not you know high school football. This is top-line talent. But they're not unfamiliar with what they're trying to do now. And then if you think about it, you know, Kevin Wilson is their offensive coordinator. He used to be the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, if I remember right. He'd been yes. the head coach mm-hmm. at Indiana. Uh, you know, this is a scheme that, that these kids have played around. They're not confused by what this is. Now, they might get burned by it, but this, this is not something uh, – this is not a foreign language that they're learning. Yeah, he was the one who uh, architected the Sam Bradford offense that broke all the records in 08. So, yeah. Um, if you had one player on Ohio State you'd say concerns you the most, like that's the guy you absolutely have to shut down. Is it just Haskins, or is there somebody you feel worries you more than that? Oh, I'm going to throw this in there for Frog fans, but Baron Browning, who I is one of the few recruits that I still cry about when I think <laughs> how close they were to coming to TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, five-star uh, linebacker out of Kennendale. He's just a freak. He's, he's just probably one of the most freakish athletes that you could ever imagine. And he's one of those guys that can 
rush the passer. He can knock down, you know, he can bull rush a tackle, and he can also cover a slot receiver um, all the way down the field. So, I, I you know, I, I got a little shout out to him. He's a great kid. He's from a great family, but I they can't let Barry and Browning and Bosa just manhandle him because they're going to get crushed if that's the case. Yeah, there were some legendary stories coming out of uh, Texas of what Browning was doing. Uh, or when, during his yeah. recruiting, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, just the, some of the stories that were coming out of his, the things he was doing athletically in the weight room and on on the field were just nuts. Yeah. Um. What uh, kind of you got to? I know I hate to to make you do this, but you kind of got a feel for this game. You know, what do you think is going to happen? Well, this is kind of I got I got something that Big Twelve fans, Oklahoma fans, will remember that that's been on my mind, and this story has popped up a couple times and things I've written and some other podcasts I've been on. But I remember the Oklahoma game in 05 when Patterson, when TCU came to Oklahoma, and the spring game was on uh, the old on Fox Sports Southwest, <laughs> the Oklahoma spring game in 05. And this mm-hmm. is when that was rare. This was mm-hmm. when it, before everybody had a conference title or a pre uh, spring game on their conference network. Mm-hmm. And the legend is that Patterson watched that tape about 50 times and broke down every single thing that happened. And of course, they went up there and they beat Adrian Peterson. They beat Oklahoma in 05. You cannot tell me that Gary Patterson has not sat every afternoon since the ink on this paper on this contract drive, watching everything that Urban Meyer does, that Greg Schiano does, that Kevin Wilson does, in order to prepare for this game. I'm not going to tell you that the Frogs are going to win, but I can tell you that they will not. That Ohio State will not face a team more prepared to stop them, and will know more about them than any other team that they face. So. I, I feel very confident in that the team will be put in a position to win. And my, my, my homer call is if they get to the fourth quarter and it's a, it's a one-score game or it's, you know, it's a three-point game, uh, I, th- I think TCU can win this game because the longer that game drags out, the more excited and more confidence TCU is going to have, more excitement they're going to have in the stands and the more confidence they're going to have on the field. And I think the preparation that Patterson has, will have brought to this game is going to pay off. Yeah, that that game you or that spring practice you're referring to, uh, some people may know this. Some most probably don't. That's the game that uh, ultimately shut Oklahoma's practices down for the last decade plus. He never after that he never allowed open media there during practice. They could come see stretching. Actually, that season, if I remember right, he completely closed it completely, and then he started allowing them to come. And still to this day, they can come watch stretching for about twenty minutes, and then they're out of there. So that single game was what caused that. Well, what was so crazy about it was uh, TCU was coming off a five and six year in Conference USA. I mean, like this this is not the this is not even 2008 TCU. This is definitely not 2018 TCU. This is a Conference USA team. Think about uh, you know SMU, a poor man Houston, and they went up and beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Corey, you got one last thing you want to ask? Uh, I was listening to what you were saying about the 2005 game and Gary Patterson being prepared. I remember seeing on Twitter, I don't remember who the guy was, but a former offensive tackle for TCU talking about when he went on a recruiting visit to Fort Worth in 2006, Gary Patterson telling his mother the kid was from uh, the Ohio State era. That's uh, – that's Jeff Olson. He's a great yes. guy. You should follow him on yes. Twitter. He's hilarious. The Jeff Olson, Olson yeah. story about whenever he went there in 2006, Gary Patterson talking about how he wanted to play Ohio State, and he has still wanted to in 2018. It's been 12 <laughs> years. Uh, yes. Um, you got anything else for us, Jeff? Anything else you need, tidbits you need to tell us or anything? We'll let you go. I know you've got a busy schedule tonight. 
You know, I would just I would just keep an eye on what Darius Anderson's going to do because I think if if he's able to run, that means the offensive line is doing their job, and if he begins to uh, gash that defense a little bit, that's kind of the measuring stick that the offensive line is doing what they need to do against the defensive line that's clearly stacked from from Oklahoma. So that's or from Ohio State. That is that's just kind of one of those games within the games. If he's getting five, six, seven yards in the first quarter, that's a really good sign. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff. One more time. Where can everybody follow you at? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at at, at the Frogcast TCU, and you can find us online at at uh, TCU twenty four seven HornFrogBlitz dot com. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much thanks, for Jeff. coming on, man. Thanks, we'll Jeff. have you again here pretty soon. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. All right. Thanks for covering the Big Twelve. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm, thank you. All right. Thanks again to Jeff there from uh, at the Frogcast TCU. I always screw that. Up. I think it's is it Frogs plural or Frogcast? I can't even remember. I think it's Frogs Cast with an S. I don't know. He'll search find them, it. Search them both. Yeah, they'll find them <laughs> one way or another. Anyway, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate that very they, much. They did have a great preview podcast. I listened to it yesterday. So did they? Definitely I didn't have a chance. I've been trying to check a lot of podcasts out this week. That, there's so many now. Yeah. My God, guys. When uh when we suggested people start podcasts last summer, my Lord, I wasn't expecting all you guys to do it. There's so many podcasts out there, and I'm glad. I appreciate it, but people keep asking me, asking, did you listen? Did you? And I'm like, dude, I'm trying. I promise. I've got a list of 97 podcasts that have been asked to go listen to by people that either follow us or whatever. And I'm like, man, there's only so many I can get to. So we try. Um, and a lot of people want to come on with us, too. So we got to sit around and make that list out, too. But uh, anyway, final thoughts uh, on this game and, and stuff like that. I mean, it, I think I think – it seems to be pretty much consistent that most people think Ohio State's going to win. Is that kind of what the feeling y'all get? Yeah. Yeah. No. You don't get that feeling? No. From where? Where? What? What? What rock have you been <laughs> underneath listening to people that aren't saying that? Gary Patterson. I never. I have learned not to count him out. Well, no, no. I'm not saying. I'm not. Okay. I'm not saying there aren't some people out there that do think TCU win. I'm just saying consensus for or for however whether the best word would that be majority. Uh, seem to think that Ohio State's going to win. Okay, uh, I didn't understand that. Um, I, I, I kind of well, lean that way too. I mean, I don't know, you guys. That uh, what, what's your take on it? Well, I mean, just just to be point on ESPN's matchup projector thing, they have mm-hmm. them at eighty seven, eighty six point seven percent is what the the, the consensus as far yeah, as people so are that's, saying. That's FPI. Yeah, yeah. FBI so I mean, so. I, you know, I, I thought he brought up a good point with, with that I didn't really think about, and that's with Turpin. You know, he can be that one guy on a punt return that can change momentum. You know, within five seconds. I mean, mm-hmm. it, can, it can be a, a quick, a quick strike. You know, he, he's the one guy that he's right. He can, he, he's athletic enough to really put a hurting on Ohio State. You know, as far as athleticism. So I, I didn't really think about that, but I thought that was a really good point. He can change. He can change the game pretty quick on a punt return or something like that. Kind of what you're talking about there. I'm kind of, and I hate to use this comparison, but given that it's Ohio State, it's the closest thing I can think of. A few years ago, when Ohio State came to Norman it was apparent that pretty much Joe Mixon was the only athlete that belonged on that field with Ohio State's athletes. Um, The next year, you had a little bit of a change. There was a little bit better situation. But that night in Norman, it looked like he was – and I'm afraid you're going to kind of see that again. I think there's going to be just a handful of guys for TCU that you can tell belong on the field with these athletes. And and I I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope to God TCU wins this game because it's going to be bad for the league if they don't. But – I just Ohio State's recruited so well, and TCU has for them. But now it doesn't mean they can't win the game either. Don't home, don't get me wrong. I mean they can, the right amount of scheming and all that can do that. But I'm afraid it, when we get to the end of it, you're going to realize that 
there was four or five guys like Rager and them that really belong on the field with this team, and the rest of them aren't. Now it's up to TCU's coaching staff to do that. Oklahoma wasn't capable of pulling it off that night. TCU could be. Gary Passion could get it done. So, um, you know, but I, I think that's kind of what you're going to see. And that, and that goes to Turpin. Uh, I agree with Jeff. If they're going to win this game, it's got to be a play like that from Turpin. There's going to have to be something that flips this game. You know, I don't I don't think TCU can win this game and just sit and hope to play field position all night. I just don't think it's going to happen now. I do think TCU special teams is better than Ohio State's, and that could be where it shows up. I, I really I really think they're a better special teams unit overall as a whole, so we'll see. But I, I don't know about you guys. The matchup that scares me the most is, like he said, their offensive line against Ohio State's defensive line, that's just a bad matchup on paper. It is. What do you guys think about – I mean, what are some other problem areas you guys think they may have? My my biggest concern is for this game and has been, you know, which Sean Robinson are we going to see? Are we going to see the one that just lit it up against Southern, or are we going to see the one that kind of struggled at times against SMU? Because if he doesn't come out and play probably the best game of his you know his young career, and this and they're they're in big trouble in my opinion because he's not going to be able to run against this team. Well, yeah. and that kind of kind of like those two things kind of go together because if they're not able to block. You know the the front uh, of Ohio State. Robinson's going to be struggling back there, running for his life. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, they kind of to me they kind of go hand in hand. Um, but you're right, Robinson need, needs to to be able to settle down in the game early. Maybe hit some quick passes like you were saying earlier in the interview, Corey. I, I think that would be good to try to give him a rhythm. They've got to, um, you know, and, that's, and, that's... and run the football at least a little bit. It doesn't necessarily have to be. 200 yards rushing against them, but just 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 enough to keep everything balanced. You know, get three yards here and there, and, and keep the keep the the uh, Ohio State uh, defensive line balanced. Because if you allow them to pin their ears back, uh, you're you're in trouble. Well, that's the thing. He's going to Robinson is going to have to win this game with his arm and not his legs, in my opinion. Well, see, that's the thing too. Robinson can't. I'm all for it. Robinson. We do. I do think Robinson needs to use his legs, but it needs to be systematically. It can't be him running for his life. If yeah. that's the case, they're screwed. But I do think if they can somewhat find some holes and times, the right times to call his number, I think it would work out great. You know, some of those zone reads, and he goes around the but, end, and there's nobody there. Well, let me say that: is it good or bad for TCU if he has 14 carries? I don't think that's a bad thing. I really don't. I, for a couple of reasons. One, it's going to keep Ohio State off balance because I'm telling you guys, their linebacking core is super fast and super athletic. And they, if they can sit on a running back going side to side, because I don't think this offensive line is man enough to still run right up and run down the middle of the field on the whole game. I think they can get some, but I don't think it's. I, I think he's going to need to do that. Honestly, I I would hope he has at least ten. I, I really would. I, I think at the right time, I think it would work for them. Now. You know, if he ha- if he's their leading rusher, that's probably a problem. I don't know that they can win that unless he just you know some of those end up being like seventy five yard yeah. runs or something like are, that. Are we talking about design runs? Are we talking about yeah, design, design, design runs? runs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I honestly think if he's if he's got fourteen you know fourteen carries, that's that's probably getting on the higher end of it. But it, I would like to at least see him carry the ball about ten times if he can survive it too. That's something else we got to find <laughs> out. We don't know. I right. mean, he's never really been hit that much. I want to flip the strip on that. What Kendall and Colin said is <laughs> if TCU's defensive line can pressure Dwayne Haskins and make him feel uncomfortable since I mean yeah he was in the Michigan yeah he was in the Michigan game last year so he has time in a big time game but it was one drive Mm -hmm. I haven't seen enough from him to say that if he gets pressure yeah he'll still be the guy and I think that's the biggest deal for me is TCU's strength has always been their defense and if they can make Haskins uncomfortable I don't think that everybody will be as high on him come mm-hmm. the end of the game. Well, see, and I think, too, you, you could do that because 
again, our most recent example of Ohio State and a Big 12 team is Oklahoma. Their defensive line, which was not as good as TCU's is right now, was able to get some pressure last year and beat that offensive line. So now Haskins is – well, I mean, you know, they had a pretty athletic quarterback last year too, I guess. So that I don't know necessarily that it would have made a difference. But they, I would expect them to be able to. They're a more gifted defensive line than what Oklahoma has. Yeah, well, and another thing is, is this will be the first time Ohio State has seen good athletes well this year. I mean, they, you know – Play what Oregon State and Rutgers, I think the two teams they mm-hmm. played. So I mean, let's be honest. Oregon State's probably the worst. Well, they it's are the two worst of the team worst in the teams in the right. It's the worst two teams in their conferences. It's right. the worst team in the Big picked, Ten and the worst team in Pac-12. Rutgers is is not, I mean, Kansas is favored to beat Rutgers this week. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so what I'm trying to say <laughs> is is that you know that, it's, it's not, not you know as far as talent wise they they haven't seen the talent that TCU is getting ready to put out there either. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be kind of interesting because there's going to be an adjustment period probably for both teams, you know, playing up levels as far as talent wise. So I you know to me. If TCU can keep this game a little bit ugly, um, you know, keep it keep it low scoring, keep it sluggish a little bit, I think that is their ticket to win. Because if I have a feeling, if Ohio State is able to pull out, I'm not sure if TCU is made to, to, to make that big catch up. I think that's mm-hmm. it has to be an ugly game in my opinion for TCU to stay in this long term. For me, you know, in most teams we wouldn't say this, but the concerns about TCU's offensive line in that they're just unproven to some degree yet. Uh, to me, the formula for success for them is a little different than I would recommend for a lot of people. I think they need to get the ball out on the boundary right away. I think they need to get him out there and get him thrown to the sidelines as quick as possible and letting those receivers go. Because if they try to just line up and run at Ohio State like you would normally do in this type of atmosphere game, I just don't think they're going to have success doing that. Now, I think over time they could. You know, you do it, you do it, you do it. Eventually you break a wall. But I think to open that up, I'm telling you guys, <laughs> this is going to be one of the fastest, if not the fastest, set of linebackers they see all year. And if you start trying to go side to side on them with a the run game because you can't run up the middle, you're in for a long – we even saw it with a much lesser team in UCLA last week with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. As soon as the backs tried to go around the end, there was just too much speed there from UCLA at the linebacker's position. Run downhill, that's – that's. but I don't think UCLA, TCU has the offensive line to do that um not consistently i think they'll hit some runs up the middle but not enough and that's where i think the zone read and bouncing him around the end and then getting the ball out on the boundary right away like baylor used to like tech used to do that's to me that's what they've got to do to open this thing up ohio state regardless how good their athletes are they're not used to and not good at defending things in space i mean it's been proven time and time again if you can get them out there and none of these other teams from other conferences are not like we're used to seeing it so I think that's their best shot. Put them in space and make them try to defend these guys. And and what happens is you get a missed tackle here or a missed tackle there, and the guy's going 90 yards down the sideline. I mean, that's what you've got to do, in my opinion, to win this game. I agree, and TCU has the athletes to do it. Like mm-hmm. what Jeff said, I mean, Turpin on the edge, he's dang near impossible to touch. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Tur- and, and Rager and Turpin and um, I'm forgetting the other one's name. You get them in space, man, uh, you know, what you need is that catch it about seven yards on the sideline where they turn and catch it, and then he's got about a you know three yard gap between the other guy, and make a miss, and then he's gone. You know that's what they've got to do. I just don't, you know, in a lot of other situations, when it was Oklahoma, when it's other teams like that that have an offensive line that can match up, I would say, hey, go for it. Try to try to ground them out. I I just don't see that being a formula this team can win with this weekend. And maybe maybe this offensive line shocks the crap out of all of us and shows up and just road grades them. I, you know, maybe that's what happens. But, again, that's the strength of Ohio State's team is that defensive mm-hmm. line. So, I don't know. Jock, you had something you wanted to add? Okay. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to add to this before we close things no. up? I'm good. 
All right, guys. Uh, we hope you enjoy week three's games. We will be back uh, Sunday night. or Yeah, Sunday night, right? Yeah. Sunday night with our review show. Hopefully it's a little more consistent now. Uh, we had some scheduling conflicts in recent weeks, but uh, I would look for that to come out Sunday night each week, maybe Monday morning if I have to do a little extra editing. Uh, but they'll be out in time for the review show. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other business. Another business I can think of. If anybody wants any T-shirts, let us know. We'll get those out. We'll sell, just DM us. We'll get those out. Um, again, like the podcast on iTunes and other places that you listen, however you can do that. Rate. Rate, whatever. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I live on Twitter. I apologize. Um, you know, if, if there's something you can do, let us know. If there's something you want us to do differently, change, do better, just let us know. We'll do our best. We are not um, audio techno, you know, technical guys that are crazy good at this stuff. We do the best we can, but if there's something we can change or adjust, let us know, and we will. Um, I think it's about it. Anything else, guys? Sure. All right, guys. Well, if that's it, then uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, we'll see you guys Sunday. Enjoy week three, guys. <laughs>